Hello, Chomp Nation. Welcome to another episode of the Chompcast, the podcast where if you listen long enough, you begin to question if gaming really is an addiction or a solution. I don't really know what that means, but nevertheless, we are here to talk about games. Yes, we are a gaming podcast. Another one. But a beautiful one with two handsome and lovely gentlemen and myself. This week, we are going to discuss the topic of the show. Is it important to be a part of the zeitgeist when it comes to gaming? With a bunch of high-caliber titles being released in May and June, we felt like now is as good a time as any. We also have some games to talk about. Who'd have thought? The big one that has taken the world by storm. It is known as Biohazard in Japan, but in Western markets, we call it Resident Evil Village. We also delve into an innovative short game that has you face your own more your own your own your own mortality before your eyes. We will also be discussing the PS5 version of Wreckfest. Adios, and Kaze and the Wild Masks. I don't think you can really say Wreckfest without that voice. Wreckfest! I think that's kind of like an essential, but... Anyways, let's get into some intros. First, we're joined by Mr. New York, New York himself. No, I'm not talking about Frank Sinatra. I'm talking about somebody who's maybe a step down in class, but a step up in terms of being my friend. Again, I don't know what that means, but we're just going to roll with that as well. Rich, how are you? How was your week? Tell us about your week outside of gaming. What have you been up to this week? How you doing? I am Rich Meister, and I am the Alucard of this castle. Um, not a lot. I've been, uh, it's, weather's, it's warming up. I'm trying to get outside a little bit more. Um, so naturally, I do that by starting the morning on my deck with the switch instead of doing really enjoying the outdoors um but you know trying to get outside go go for for some runs in the nice weather after work um to uh you know kick some of this uh rage out but uh feel feel all right feel all right Uh, i want to imagine you just like running through the streets of new york just like punch dance running Everybody's working for the, for the weekend. weekend. I love punch dancing. In a, you're in a headband and like these really short shorts, neon shirts. Just set to run through on New fire York. while I'm running on the beach. I'm uh this Sunday, so two days from now. I have plans to uh, go just get some beers and some some crab with some friends. I haven't uh you know been able to really spend time out of out of the house within a while. Um, sit down at a restaurant for the first time in a year and a half. Because nice. uh, we're all vaccinated, so we're feeling comfortable enough. So I'm looking forward to that. I was just going to say, I hope you all are vaccinated. And you know what? Sounds like you guys are. That's good. Now, are you... And sorry if this is a too sensitive of a topic for anybody listening in advance. Um, are you still going to be wearing masks when you guys meet up, except while you're eating? Or are you guys... Or are you personally dispensing with the masks now that you're fully vaccinated? I, would, I know that I the CDC dispense... has kind of dropped some of those regulations a little bit. Yeah. Um. Here's here's where I'm kind of at with it. Like we're out in public, 
uh, aside from when we're actually like consuming, you know, drinks and food, I would be masked up. If we were just like we went back to somebody's apartment or something, and we're just hanging out, just just us, then I I wouldn't feel the need. Okay, that's fair. I I you know what? I know nobody's asking for my opinion, so I'm gonna give it anyways. I think that's like if I was in the U.S., that's probably what I would do. Even if I was vaccinated, I'd be wearing the masks out in public. I think, and if you want to call me a, I don't know, a, a, whatever, whatever term you want to call me is fine. Um, a moron, Whoa. but no, Whoa. I would definitely be a wearing floozy. a mask. Yeah, a hussy, if you will. Now, I would definitely be wearing a mask out in public, even if I was vaccinated. Until this whole thing kind of blows over, so that's cool. I, I figured that I'm would really be the case for you. The mask culture stays here in general. Like, I feel like. I am totally on board to the point of, like, I will wear a mask to work, like, if I have a cold, like, from now on. Like, I just think that should be a thing. I, you know, I think it's going to be more common now going forward, and it's kind of a cool accessory as well. You know, one of the things here is that I have a coworker. Hey, I was going to, I was actually going to segue into that. You came in a little early, and I like it, though. I like the eager um attitude but no i have a fr- i have a coworker here she always makes me masks and so i have like i have a flower print i have a red and white tie-dye print i have uh i have a fall leaves changing mask i have all these kinds of masks and i i have some athletic ones like some puma ones as well in the event that i'm playing sports and i i still need to wear some i i think they're a really cool accessory and I was actually, as you, as you had mentioned, Rich, and they're really comfortable. In masks, I, I think in the future, everyone will wear them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and if you're interested, we actually have masks on our own at the store, but more on that later. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. But Rich, I'm excited. I'm happy that you're going to be meeting with some friends. I'm happy that you're fully vaccinated. And I'm just happy that you're here, buddy. I really am. Thanks. I missed talking with you guys this week. I really did. I like, I've been looking forward to doing this all week. We got uh, we got some good conversations, Dash. I played some video games I really liked, so it's gonna be exciting. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's gonna be a really fun conversation. Next, we have the man here. Uh, he is from Michigan. He has been telling us about all of the stuff that he's been doing around his house to keep busy outside of games. I'm really excited to hear a little bit more about it. Joshua Fowler is here. Josh, you've been doing a lot of like home stuff, some gardening, some cooking, some cutting of your hand by cleaning your <laughs> totaled van. You've been doing a lot of stuff. Uh, what have you been up to, you man? built a meth lab. Mm, well, he yeah. didn't do that. <laughs> he got a contractor for that. Yeah, yeah. Hire a professional. Um, it's up to OSHA standards. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's been finally warming up around here. Michigan is, uh, at least this part of Michigan, most of it is, is one of those places where you kind of have to watch out for late frosts. So we uh, still haven't planted our garden outside or anything. We've got uh, everything starting inside, got a bunch of bunch of stuff germinating and staying nice and warm in the house um until we're sure it's not going to freeze outside anymore which hopefully should be here in the next few weeks we'll get our, get everything put in there but, uh, we've been we're doing a 
lot of, lot of work on that, getting the, the garden ready to go. Getting all the, uh, getting it re-fertilized. I did some soil tests, make sure that uh, we weren't missing anything, and we were missing, a, like, all the potash. All the potash. There's, there's just none left in this soil. It was, it was uh, completely gone, so we really had to fix that with some fertilizer. And, uh, yeah, just, just getting, uh, I was trying, getting everything ready. I was trying to think, I was trying to think of, like, when you, when you smoke marijuana in, in a pipe, or not in a pipe, uh, a when you, like, you have a grinder, a and you smoke pot, and you have, like, and you have, like, the little bit of leftover, what is that called? Mm. Oh, what? I, I thought you were going the, somewhere else with that. I mean, there, I'm, I'm trying there's to, a, there, there's, there's a, there's a term for it, you're, you're right, I, I, yeah, I, mean, I, I, can't, I just, when you're like you blow out that ash, I mean, I assume I've never done that. I, no, it's legal here. Right? I don't have the. It's legal here now. I, we're we're not, so used well, to well, immediately no. saying I heard. We've been heard doing that for so long. It's just weird not having to no, anymore. I, I, it's fun I to no a, longer be a criminal. <laughs> I had an ex girlfriend who very much liked to partake back in the states, um, and she had a grinder, and she'd always, you know, like have the little like the minuscule shavings at the bottom yeah and supposedly that's the ones that that's the stuff that gets you the the most high and so you, you like mm. if you're a pothead with a grinder or not not even a pothead just a po- let me let me reword that because that has a negative connotation if you're a pot enthusiast well, and enthusiast you save those little shavings yeah like Link. i'm sure no, someone's think, gonna message me i think after i this think head was the, the correct like, called that suffix there if you're if you're really really just that into the tiny bits left, just scraping the bottom of the barrel, making sure you don't lose anything. I, I, I think. Well, I think you're, I think you're safe with that. I don't, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's that, Josh, or it's just our failing economy to where it's like, <laughs> yeah. our failing first world economy, not failing, our suffering or our fluctuating first world economy. And we're getting too political here, but basically to where like you got to scrimp and save every last mm-hmm. shaving of pot that you get until next payday, which I don't My know. Precious maybe... weed. A dime saved is a dime earned. A dime That's saved is phrase. a dime bag. That's the phrase. But no, Josh, I'm really excited. And it's interesting to hear that because um, here in Japan, uh, by the way, I'm Shay here. I live in Japan that a lot of people are farming right now and they farm kind of year round as i'm sure you guys imagine in some of the warmer parts of japan and Mm -hmm. so right now we're starting to see watermelon here um we're starting to see a bunch of other stuff it's like sir that's what's really cool about japan is like in in the u.s usually you have seasons there for fruits and veggies but they're pretty extended because um uh, in the U.S., it's all about availability of stuff. Like everything has to be available, but in Japan, <clears throat> there's certain fruits and veggies that are available at certain times, and the Japanese have kind of just come to terms with that and they adjust accordingly. They're like, "Oh, this is the perfect season for uh, this and this and this," so we enjoy it while we can, and then when it's gone, we enjoy something else. So that's cool that you're preparing. It must be nice to not live in excess. <laughs> Oh, uh, Japan has its own version of excess. Uh, don't don't you worry about you talking that. about you talking about maid cafes. Well, that and plastic use, but that's that's a conversation for yet another day. 
Um, I think that'd be kind of interesting to kind of do in a different scenario other than a video game podcast. But no, this week for me, um, I, uh, I had physical therapy. I've been going to physical therapy off and on for a while now for my shoulder, just because, um, I've talked about it before a lot, so I'm not going to talk about it too much. Been having problems with my rotator cuff and, uh, that's largely due to me working out improperly and I'm still working through that. Um, it's been getting a lot better over the recent weeks, guys. Like when I quit going to physical therapy is because of the uh, the pandemic and the scare of like going into public with a bunch of people to do that. However, I've been seeing a lot of progress on my shoulder recently. It's not close to being better, but it's a lot closer than it's ever been. So I've been making a lot of progress there. Also this week uh, was the sports festival for my junior high school students. Uh, I've, I've talked about that on the show in the past a lot. Really exciting time. Basically, uh, the students prepare weeks in advance. They do different sports activities such as a relay or um, uh, what else? What, what did they do yesterday? They, there was this long line where they basically had to ride their bikes as slow as possible without falling off their bikes to the other side and the last person to do it was the winner kind of activity um they they had different activities like that basically it's kind of half running half games to compete and the winner like the winning team gets to hoist the trophy for a year gets bragging rights for a year and yesterday my team i was on the yellow team yellow team and green team won it was out of the 5 years that i've been teaching here it was the first year that two teams hoisted the trophy together. Um, so it was really cool to see that. My students were absolutely elated, and it was it was really, really nice. After last year, we had such a shortened sports festival that this year, they, with the proper precaution, the parents weren't allowed to come. There was constant hand sanitizing before and after each activity. There was masks and everything. Uh, the precautions were very much taken. Everybody's temperature was taken beforehand that uh, there, was, there was finally some normalcy. It was like the first shred of normalcy that we've all felt, and we had a, a, all things considered. And it was just a blast. Uh, I always loved Sports Festival, and I had so much fun with my students. It was a good time. It was a, good, it was a really, really, really good time. Uh, and it, uh, as you guys know, those kind of moments, they always just come and go so quickly. So uh, I... I, I'm really excited. One of the things I've been doing this year, it's the last thing I'll say before we get into games, is that I've been keeping a journal this year. Um, I haven't kept a journal since my teenage years. I, I've been writing down, like, every day I try and think of something at work that I don't want to forget. Because, I, you know, I've had so many amazing students, and I don't want to forget those memories. I, I've been here for so long now that some of them are starting to slowly leave my brain so i i spend every day thinking of one or two important memories that i don't want to forget with my students and i write those in the journal that way when i leave japan and 10 20 years down the down the road when i have my own uncharted little beachfront with a bunch of memories and a little side house that i can go in there and just look at that journal and be like, oh, that student, I remember that memory, and I can sit in there and cry alone in my beach house. So basically, this journal is me mm. preparing to cry about my memories 10, 20 years from now, is what this journal just, is going to uh, be for. 
I just keep journals so, you know, every 10 years or so I can read them and be like, lol, cringe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I see, I, I like, I, I used to worry about that whenever I would keep a journal in my adult years. But the way I'm writing this one is less about me writing my feelings about something other than mm-hmm. just this was a wonderful day or this was a wonderful memory. Like that's the, that's the level of yeah, depth. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's much more timeless. If you write captain's log at the beginning of every entry, that's yeah. That's <laughs> start eight. That's right. <laughs> I have to be writing it on the toilet too, while I write captain's yeah. log. Otherwise you have to be releasing the captain's log accurate. as you, as you write captain's log. Yes. That's right. That's right. But um, I'm glad you guys are here. I'm really excited to talk to talk with you guys. We, I've been itching to chat with you guys all, all week. I've been super busy, so we haven't been able to talk that much. But today, let's get into the topic. Let's start it off, guys. So as I told you guys privately, but to give the fans some uh, uh, insight as to why we decided to go with this topic. This week, I have felt just a little bit overwhelmed with games because we've had a lot of games drop this month after it seemed like we were having a trickle of games here and there. I'm sure that in part is due to the world's conditions the past year. But we saw Resident Evil drop uh, last week. We're seeing the Mass Effect Legendary Edition come out. We're seeing some indie titles drop all of a sudden really quickly. We, uh, what else? We're having Biomutant about to come out. Yeah, and there, and there are other titles as well, obviously. I'm, I'm sure I could go through a whole list of them. But let's list them all. I, Pokemon <laughs> Snap. Yeah, that's one I forgot too. New Pokemon Snap. But like all these games are dropping, and suddenly I feel pressed to stop my responsibilities in my daily life, which is something I would have done in my early 20s, and just play all these games and shirk all adult responsibilities. Because I want to be a part of the conversation. I want to be a part of the zeitgeist, as you will. I want to be in that conversation. But I also know that I have things I need to do in my daily life. Otherwise, I'm going to be playing catch up on those. And some of those things need to take precedence. But I still feel like that little like that little string attached to the back of my spine, like slowly pulling me like, come on, play this game, be a part of the conversation. You know, you want to. And I, I thought that there'd be a really interesting conversation there. I feel like we as consumers and people in various who enjoy various art forms, not just gaming, but other things feel really pressed to be a part of that conversation. So I wanted to open it up to us. Is it really that important to be a part of the zeitgeist when it comes to different art forms? But specifically because we are a gaming podcast, is it important to be a part of that zeitgeist when it comes to gaming? Um, so I'm actually going to just throw it to you guys first. Uh, like, how do you guys feel about this? And I, I'm, it's as open-ended as you want it to be. Take it wherever you want to take it. Um, I'll, th- I'll go and throw it to you first, Rich. Do you, like, do you feel pressing need to be a part of the zeitgeist when it comes to games um i wouldn't say i feel uh, uh, if like the question is is it important i don't think it's necessarily important i think it can be more fun um and it all comes down to that sort of like water cooler conversation 
it, it's fun to be a part of the conversation, to be online or in person when everyone is talking about this thing. It's not a necessity. I might feel uh, a simple, a, a different temptation as somebody who used to work in editorials and still does to some degree, because my brain is still in that SEO mindset of like, we got to get this fucking information out there. You got to write by, about this while it's hot. You got to be a part of that conversation. And I enjoy being a part of that conversation. And I chase that where I can. And sometimes it's, it works out easier than other times. Resident Evil 8 is a great example for me because I just enjoyed it so much that I, I finished that game in like two days. Yeah, that, that press to get the information out is hilarious to me sometimes. I was scrolling through the news on my phone, like I have a little news panel on my Google Pixel, and there was already a review for the Mass Effect Legendary this. Edition. I was like, who the fuck took that much time to already <laughs> fucking finish that? And I, I was like, that's got to be an incomplete review kind of situation. There's no way that someone already finished that trilogy and you know, reviewed the entire thing. That's insane to me. Like the, the need to be on point with how quick that information is disseminated is kind of crazy in this day and age, but it also makes sense with, um, how quickly we can access technology paired with everyone is looking at their phones now more than ever, because some people are still adhering to pandemic rules and whatnot. So it makes sense, but it was just, it was kind of crazy to me, but Rich, I, there's one thing you said that I kind of want you to expand a lot upon a little bit, and then we'll get Josh in there as well, sure. is you said that it's important sometimes, not necessarily important, but we want to be a part of that conversation, like a water cooler conversation where we want to be able to chat about it. Why is that so important? Why is it so important, I don't, those kind of conversations? Impor important might be uh, the wrong word. It's more exciting. It is the same sensation you get with tv when you think about when i think about tv i probably the last like you know prestige tv thing that was a weekly thing people were talking about it's like talking about the new episode of game of thrones the water cooler at work next day it's just that it's more fun when you feel like you're experiencing uh these things as part of a group like us having private conversations where i'm like oh where are you at in resident evil because i want to talk about i want to talk about this thing and if everyone's experiencing at a different time, it's still cool to kind of reminisce with people that have played a thing and be like, oh, I, what did you think of this? What did you think of that? But there's always more of an energy to it when everybody's experiencing it around the same time and you're kind of all bursting at the seams to just give your thoughts on it and like bounce, bounce everything off each other and just talk about this game. Yeah. The, uh, on, 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 on the personal front there, I am not really that you know, concerned about playing the new thing just because, again, I kind of, we've, we've talked about this, you know, it's come up many times, but I'm just, I don't really mind spoilers for the most part. So, like, whatever, you can still talk about it and it doesn't really matter to me. Um, like, I, I still think that generally good media holds up just fine if you know where it's going. Um, so I'm I'm fine with that on a personal note, but on a like the the influence something's going to have kind of on just the public consciousness as a whole. I think whether or not it is something being talked about by a group of people all at once is a huge part of that. Which, like Rich is saying with Game of Thrones. 
new episode every week. Everyone has to talk about what just happened on Game of Thrones. It ends up becoming such a big thing in the culture's minds. Uh, Can't believe Darth Maul's in this. Yeah, um, whereas a lot of other series kind of didn't end up doing that as much. I mean, you think, I mean, there have been a few things on Netflix that have been like, oh my God, everyone has to talk about this. But it it kind of comes and goes. Um, because it's all there at once. If somebody doesn't finish the entire season when it shows up, well, you can't safely talk about most of it without worrying about spoilers. It just ends up kind of creating this thing where it it kind of it ends up stealing its own thunder um, because of the way it's released. I feel like Netflix has done a fairly poor job of that, of taking advantage of just, you know, the public consciousness on some of these things. Um, I feel like the places Directly where it's... on their app, I would agree with you. I think, uh, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, I think ahead. they do a bad job at, directly on the app. The, I don't know if... I don't know how much you frequent YouTube, but recently they've been doing a lot of really good promos on YouTube where actually they put some of their content on there. They'll give you like half of an episode of something or they'll give you um, like a really good sneak peek, like behind the scenes stuff of the, the TV show they're about to drop or the movie they're about to drop. They've been doing really good promos on YouTube recently which I was really surprised to see over the past six months that they've been doing that. But yeah, uh, in terms of on the app, I would agree with you. I don't think they maximize their their ability there. But at the same time, I think they maybe they also realize that YouTube is the better place to do those kinds of things. I don't know. I'm not obviously in marketing and research. But... Uh, I, mean, I don't think it has anything to do with that so much as... I mean, think, think about how much everyone talked about WandaVision or The Mandalorian because you get a new episode every week. And it sticks around for months because people are talking about what they just saw. They're talking about where they think it's going. There's just so much, so much more room for your imagination to go with a property when it's released that way. Um, whereas I yeah, feel I like some of, some of the Netflix things that have worked out well, it, there's no spoilers are going to ruin it factor to it. A lot of their reality television has been amazing stuff like um like nailed it or uh, floor is lava stuff where you don't have to worry about spoiling it and anytime someone else finds the thing you can all talk about it again i feel like has been where speak for yourself they've done extremely well when i can remember i don't want to see if donnie falls on the floor or not that's that's a major spoiler there josh (laughs) i got bets on that i don't want to know no no i I know there are a few Netflix shows that actually release weekly. I know some anime actually on Netflix, at least here in Japan, does that. I don't know if it's, it's the only same in Japan. In the US. This is this that's that's not how Netflix in America Netflix, serves. Netflix the jail is something that happens to Netflix anime because it releases weekly in Japan and they don't do the US release until the whole thing's there because oh, Americans like to binge. No, we don't. We want the fucking thing as it releases in Japan. Give us our anime yeah. that way. When um, I think about like Disney Plus shows and stuff that stick to that weekly regimen, yeah. like I appreciate that so much more because mm-hmm. it's so much easier for me to carve 30 to 45 minutes out of my week 
to be like, oh, you know, Thursday night I have this thing I do and that's when I'll watch the new uh, fucking WandaVision or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I've really enjoyed that with Invincible recently yes. as well. Like, it's, it. I feel like, I don't know, I, I feel like episodic content really taps into that zeitgeist idea. It of, provokes more conversation. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I think because of that, kind of like we're, you know, getting back to the original topic of, well, not the original topic, but, you know, bringing it back to gaming. It's kind of, it's awkward in gaming because it is, they can be fairly long experiences and it's, it ends up feeling very similar to like, oh, I've got to binge this Netflix show so I don't miss out. Um, and it can be frustrating if you're trying to be in on it. Um, in a lot of ways, uh, which is kind of why I've basically given up on it with gaming for the most part, as far as, you know, obviously I do a show about gaming, so not completely, but as far as like, what show is that? I've got to play everything. Um, that, that was something we specifically avoided. Right. Yeah. It's, I, I see your point exactly because for me, um, on a personal level, I used to feel really, really pressured to be a part of the exact conversation that's happening at the time. If people are talking about a game that I wasn't even really interested in to begin with, I suddenly feel like, oh shit, maybe I should go out and buy this game to be a part of this conversation to legitimize myself as someone who does a video game podcast. And I feel that some people out there do put that pressure on people within the medium who are voices to do that. And inherently, I think that there is some level of pressure that comes with that. I mean, we, we choose to talk about video games and being topical that at the end of the day, we have to be somewhat current. I mean, just due to the model we currently have set for ourselves. So it's an inevitability in some regards. However, I also realized that on a personal level that I was putting so much pressure on myself that I was giving myself anxiety to the point to where if I was playing mm. one game, I felt like I couldn't even enjoy it because I was like, I should be playing this other game. So, for example, at the beginning of the year, um, and this is like not to slam anybody, but I remember I was playing the Final Fantasy VIII Remastered so I could knock it off the docket so I could finally finish that game and, and like after never beating it. And I remember getting shit for playing it from Morgan being like, well, you know, there's more current stuff you could be playing. And I was like, or the stuff that he wanted me to be playing. And I was like, well, well yeah, that's just... fine and all, but like, I want to play the things I want to play, you know, like yeah. th this is a hobby. This is something that I sit down to enjoy. And yeah, maybe I would enjoy these other games that are more current or that somebody wants me to play, to be a part of the conversation with them. But I also do this hobby for me. And I, I realized that, like, it was to the point to where if I was that, and this isn't just, like, to slam one person or anything like that, but I'd be playing a game, I'm gonna slam and this a has few been people. over the past few years, and this, <laughs> this is completely confessional, I'd be playing a game, and I feel like, fuck, I can't even enjoy this right now, because I know I have this other game that I have to be talking about this week yeah. that I need to be playing, and I really, like... I was really stressing myself out sometimes about this. And I know this sounds like a first world problem, and I get that. 
Um, I, I totally get that. I'm not like, I'm not oblivious to how ridiculous some of this sounds. Obviously, it comes from a very privileged place that uh, basically the problem I have is, oh, which game do I play? Or, oh, which game do I talk about? It's a very this privileged place. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get that. So like and to anybody who's like, well, at least you have games to play. I know I'm very privileged. I know. And I know this is like a 100% my, my issue. So I want to address that. But yeah, I was stressing myself out so much. And then I got to the point where I was like, this is not why I enjoy gaming. And so, yeah, so sometimes I do want to be a part of the zeitgeist. Uh, when it comes to something like Resident Evil 8, I'm, I've been real, actually really excited for this game, but I've been kind of withholding that excitement because I don't want, I don't want to build it up to be something bigger than it w- ended up being, which I'm very thankful for, actually. And I wanted to be able to talk about this with you guys and everybody else because I know Resident Evil, that series evokes something in a lot of people it, it means something to a lot of different people for many different reasons people can cite two as their favorite three as their favorite four as their favorite uh not five or six as their favorite maybe one as their favorite seven as their favorite yeah. you know this series means something to a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons so of course i want to be a part of that conversation i also want to give myself the availability to be like, eh, you know, it's not really that important to me. I, I, I'm going to play these other games that are in my backlog. But I, I think that, Rich, yeah, you're right that these, these, com- these water cooler conversations are really fun, which is part of also the reason why I feel like the zeitgeist is so interesting. And I think that speaks to less about gaming and more about art and connectivity, especially right now with the past year plus of what we've been living through that if we're able to connect even on a small level, it's a huge victory right now. It feels like the world is so divided on so many different topics. And we're not going to sit in here and, like I said, we're not going to get political here. We're not trying to make this political. We're not trying to, you know, br- like, we're, with this particular section, we're not trying to do major social commentary. That, we'll do that That's later. Coming up don't, in like don't, don't worry. Minutes. We'll we'll let you know that way if you need to disengage because we know we're primarily an the entertainment podcast. The klaxon will sound. Yes, that's right. So you right. can retreat to a safe distance. That's right. We're not trying to make this like social or political commentary, but um, no. With a lot of the, the 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 disparity in the world, it feels like when you're able to connect with a human that you may not even normally connect with, just for a quick five minute conversation in a forum or in a YouTube comment or on on social media comment or even amongst your friends or family you're like oh dude that one part in this one game oh yeah fucking scared the shit out of me Uh, or oh this one uh episode of tv did you watch it oh my god it was so crazy i didn't expect that to happen things like that it really allows us as people to connect for a few minutes because it feels like on a date like i don't know how you guys felt feel maybe similarly maybe differently on my day, in my daily life, whether it's on social media or it's in person, I feel like people are so at odds with each other right now, probably less so in Japan than the U.S. and other Western cultures, that it feels like when I get to connect with somebody for five minutes to discuss something, that it's like, that could be the best five minutes of my day talking about the crazy shit that happens in Resident Evil 8, and I really look forward to those moments. So in some regards, yeah, it pays pays to be a part of the zeitgeist yeah absolutely that and like you said that's just it it's 
it's funny because I do think it all comes down to the connections we get with other people from being a part of that zeitgeist. And like you said, especially in my early 20s, like, um, I, uh, when I was doing a lot of, like, contract and game media, I felt like th there were nights I would stay in and, like, have to work on game stuff. And I don't regret that stuff, but I am glad, like, a lot of outlets moved away from that pressure of, like, we need to review everything, and we need to get this on, on the desk in the morning. And also, doing this and being able to really work on my own terms uh, makes it so, like, when something like Resident Evil 8 happens, and I just love it so much that I can't wait to type out, like, get through it and type out my thoughts on it, that I have that review up within, like, two days of it launching. But also, when I want to take my time, it doesn't really matter all that much. It it, it just, you know, it, it comes when it comes, and we talk about the games we want to talk about, we write about the games we want to write about. And admittedly, that game history podcast I'm still trying to get get working on getting the ball moving on, that is just largely a justification for me justifying those weeks where I'm like, all I did this week was play the original Fantasy Star. <laughs> mm -hmm. Dude, if you ever want to talk about the original Fantasy Star, I absolutely love the original that Fantasy Star. I know a lot of people um... say two and four are the best ones. I love the original. Well, I, I got to tell you, that's definitely one of the planned episodes of... um of that show specifically because that switch version they put out not too long ago is a great version of that game. Yeah. I'm, I'm a hundred percent there for that conversation, but anyway, sorry, that was completely tangential. We probably could have done that off air, <laughs> yeah. but uh, you guess what? You got to hear it live, but guess uh, what? This is the, the kind of shit you get. We're pulling back the curtain. We're pulling the curtain back and we're pulling our butt cheeks wide our, open. That's not our, a thing we're doing. No, John. <laughs> not, we can't legally. It's important. We not, not up front. Yeah. Not with the curtain pulled back. Hey, that's, technically that's... we can. That's a misdemeanor. Got to have the curtains closed for that. Yeah, I live, right. like, really close to a school. It's more than a misdemeanor. Ooh. Well, if you want to see curtains pulled back and our butt cheeks pulled wide open, head over to our OnlyFans. I'm just kidding. We don't have that. But <laughs> we should. Our OnlyRans, uh, where we pick, post pictures of white dudes with mustaches. We need money. No, um, no, Josh, I, you know... Um, do you have any other additional thoughts in terms of this conversation? Like, I, I don't really actually have that much more to say about it. Um, I don't know if you guys have any other big reflections that you have on the topic. Hmm. I think I pretty much covered my thought process. I, I'll, if Josh has more to expand upon, I will gladly engage. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, it, I think we kind of hit all of it. Um, at least all all the thoughts that I was mulling over personally, anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, like I've noticed because of the whole kind of everyone has to talk about this thing feeling, and everyone's afraid of spoilers stuff. There's an awful lot of not just like personal guilt like you were talking about earlier but like people being shitty about oh i can't talk about this thing because of you know you've not heard about it like kind of guilting you into you know stopping them from talking about something mm -hmm. um whether you did or not but like that i i i'd like to see that go away i i'd, I'd like to see a whole lot more um 
people just being excited to talk about something that you experienced a while ago. Like, why? Why is that? How? How does that suck? Like, I think I still get there. I, I'm not affected by the other end of it because I have spoiler culture does not impact me in any way whatsoever. Like, I can go into a movie knowing exactly how it ends and not yeah. care. Like, people give me that whole like, "Oh, do you care if I spoil it?" I'm like, I literally could not give a shit less. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I yeah, like. But I think just from the, like, other people, you know, giving you shit, like, oh, man, you haven't seen this yet, or whatever, like... Yeah, no. And if like somebody that, doesn't want me to talk about something, I'm not gonna talk about it. If I understand the want to have things like that preserved, it's just, for whatever reason, does not affect me at all. I, I, I care more about watching how it unfolds than what actually unfolds. Yeah, yeah, like, I don't know. I, like, I'd rather see people excited to... You kind of... Talk about something again whenever a new person finally gets a hold of it instead of acting like, oh, they're just late to the party. Like, we already talked yeah. about all that again. Like, like no. I don't like, think there's, there's a I, I think either. there's a value to going back to, you know, rehash also, some of these thoughts when somebody new experiences it. Totally. I also think that's even why when I talk about not being affected by spoiler culture, whenever people ask me that, I'm always like, no, talk to me about it. I love people telling me what happens in a thing or talking to me about a thing even if i haven't seen it because i think just i just genuinely enjoy engaging with somebody who is like really excited or just genuinely yeah. passionate about the thing they're talking about i i just get a kick out of that yeah it's really cool because a no one is going to give you exactly what happens in the show they're gonna give you a very filtered what mattered to them version yeah. of an experience. No, and even that but, is um, again, you, you can, you can tell when someone's like passionate and excited about something. Yeah. And it's really regardless cool. Of that. And I, I genuinely get good vibes from that. I enjoy having those conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's cool seeing what someone took from something. Cause everyone's going to, you know, focus on something a little yeah. different. Yeah. I, I think that's part of why it's so cool to be a part of the zeitgeist, so to speak is, I think about the past conversations we have had together in various different ways. I think about, for example, the inside conversation that me, Josh, Morgan, and Fish had way back in the day and how vastly interesting that conversation was and what we all took away from it. I think about recently uh, the suicide of Rachel Foster, that game, Morgan and I having that discussion. I think about even something as silly as cats and uh, Rich and I doing that <laughs> mm -hmm. on Chomping After Dark. Like, when we think about those things, you're, you guys are exactly right. We each take something different away, and when we have those discussions, it allows for our minds to be open to new possibilities, new ways of thinking. And we can choose yeah. at that point, do we, do, do we take that on ourselves, or do we acknowledge it and say, hey, that's a different cool way of thinking about it, not a way I would normally think about it, but that's cool that somebody else thinks about it that way. Or just not acknowledge it at all. Like there are different ways you can approach <clears throat> those conversations and the information that's presented. I think it's really cool to have those conversations. At the same time, exactly what you guys are saying, I agree. Um, in terms of not giving people shit for not being caught up on something, and you know what, I've even been guilty of this. You know, like one of my favorite movies, and will forever be one of my favorite movies, is Braveheart. I I love that movie unabashedly and 
what I, you know, whenever, whenever I meet people that still haven't seen that movie, I give them a little bit of shit. I'm like, have you not seen one of the greatest movies of all time still? You know, and I, I've been guilty of that myself, you know, uh, <laughs> full disclosure. But yeah. yeah, I think we, we need to be able to just, instead of being like, what the, what the fuck is wrong with you kind of approach, we need to be like, oh, really? Let me tell you why I think you personally, knowing you, would like this movie. And instead of trying to shame them for that, why don't we try and get them in on it and even be like, hey, if you're ever yeah. down to watch that movie, I'm there for you. I'll, I'm, I'll sit through it with you. <laughs> like, you I'll shut the fuck Aladdin up and let you four? enjoy it. Uh. You know, like th- that kind of thing. I mean, I have differing opinions than you guys on the, the stuff when it comes to spoilers. It's something that we kind of talked about in the past. I'm very anti-spoiler, but I, I see your guys' point too, and that's kind of like, a microcosm of what we're talking about with the quote unquote zeitgeist. Like we each have different opinions and we look at it from different points of view. And um, like, I, I, I'm glad you guys look at it from a different point of view and I could see that being viable. I don't agree with it. So I won't take that on. Just like Ben Kenobi said. Yes. From a, uh, from a certain point of view. <laughs> I thought, you, I thought it was going to be more poignant than that. No, but um, no, yeah, I, I'm, I, I like to me, I think it could be summed up as if you feel like you want to be a part of the zeitgeist, you should, because there's, and especially if you have people to talk with about it or you, there are personalities such as us or anyone else that you enjoy listening to that has some insight about something that you just experienced in a way that you may not have thought about. I think that really is, uh, it broadens your horizons. It opens your mind. And I think that's a great thing. I also think that. If you, you know, you know, money constraints, time constraints, responsibilities there, or just you have things on the backlog that you'd rather finish, that's perfectly okay too. Because the nice thing about these kind of conversations, they're recorded for as long as humanity exists in, in this format, and they're never going anywhere. So if you want, if you finish Resident Evil 8 five years from now and you're listening to this podcast for the first time when we discuss it, that's completely okay. You're still quote unquote a part of the the zeitgeist. Maybe not right when it happened, but you are mm-hmm. still a part of the conversation, so to speak. And that's I'm that's always really willing cool. to talk about the Duke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you go. So, um, let's get into some listener comments. Um, I I haven't nailed down a specific day, but I think I'm going to be doing it uh, every Thursday. Uh, at the Swordchomp Instagram, if you want to chime in on the topic of the show, we'll try and read as many of the comments as we get on the show every week uh, because it allows for us to kind of discuss your guys' thoughts and opinions. It feels like you guys get involved with the show, which we love. We love when people get involved in the show. And it again, it broadens our horizons into different ways of thinking about things. So um, the first comment is from Computers in Space. I'm not sure I understand this comment. Uh, the comment says Katamari with the dual sense. I I I I don't I'm not sure. I I wanted to pose it to you guys to see if there is anything. I think that's I, just a request, and I'm on board. I mean, that was the cheapest version of that game that's ever come out. It's been more expensive <laughs> yeah, since I was then. Com- I was confused that being on the question of the week. I will say that, but uh, <laughs> thank you anyways for your comment, com- computers in space. <laughs> Next, we have Tani, uh, our good friend Tani. He said, sure, Zeitgeist plays a significant role in wanting to play the new hotness. 
same as fear of missing out or FOMO. But I do prioritize my own taste above all. This month was near first. Now I'm rounding that up. I start looking towards other games releasing. And I think that's kind of the way I've adopted gaming going into my 30s is the games I buy, the games I want to play, those take precedence. And then when I finish, when I feel like I've completed something, then I'll move on to the next thing. That's why while you guys were talking about new Pokemon Snap, I was still on Saga Frontier. I wasn't done with it and I wanted to get my money's worth. Yeah. No, I think that's a good okay. way to do it. I think that's a good way, especially because budget constraints are, uh, it's, it's not something to just shrug off. Like, um, I know we've not really, we've talked about kind of not taking into account the amount of time you get for your money as, as like a, you know, how we rate something whenever we're considering that. And I, I like, I still don't, I don't think about it that way, but I still feel about it. Not blowing through something just because you need to get to the next thing. Like that's, there's still yeah. a lot of value to just, if you enjoy something, really spend some time with it, get into And it the, can affect your enjoyment yeah. to try and blow through a thing. Mm-hmm. If, uh, we had a former host here. I'm sure the comment that's what she said would have been made at this point. But um, yeah, but that one really wouldn't make a lot of sense. That's Blowing why. That's why I'm saying if it was. Oh, okay. All right. Mm. Yeah, you you understand. But Pour no, uh, <laughs> no. He's yeah, alive. I, it's fine. I know. For me, in the past, I've blown through a few games, and then I feel like, man, I really wish I would have spent a little bit more time with that game and enjoyed it. Um, I didn't feel like I got the max that I wanted to get out with it. And then I, I, it kind of lingers for years. Like, man, I still want to finish these things on these games. Like Horizon Zero Dawn, I still haven't beaten the DLC. And I've been wanting to for years, for example. That's one of the many examples that I, you know, could think of off the top of my head. But yeah, anyways, yeah. Um, one comment, Johnny on the spot said, Halo Infinite will make or break uh, the Series X. And I think that was just due to in part being one of the four uh games that I put on the picture on the Instagram is Halo Infinite and that'll that's an interesting conversation because I think that we we're talking about it privately that Halo Infinite is also going to be on computer game pass in theory um I'm I don't Halo know if it's in- been 100% confirmed at this point but is that game good according to this monster energy drink it's been out for a while <laughs> uh but no well, no like I Yes, yeah, I mean, at, at this point, the reason to get the new Microsoft console doesn't exist yet. Um, it was supposed to have, but it, it doesn't, so but it yeah. Does, but it don't. I don't, I don't actually think it'll make or break the console. I think it'll, that, that console's doing just fine. I think it'll make or break that franchise. That's true. That's, I think we're at, at a point where, where I don't think that game can just be good. I think it needs to be great. Or, or actually, actually, what's the point of doing? I don't know Halo. if it'll make or bre- I don't know if it'll make or break the franchise. I think think I think that there are enough fans. Yeah, I'm I'm still there. I still feel better about the whole console than the franchise thing because I mean yeah I, I don't yeah. know I feel like the franchise has enough you know different roots at this point in different directions with the tactics games and the plus halo 5 already broke it 
yeah, like it's it feels like there's there's enough elsewhere that like a single misstep doesn't really. Yeah, I mean, I also just don't think like it being bad spells doom for the Xbox. Like, I think that there's still plenty of allure if you do not have a PC to get that box because Game Pass is such a fantastic deal. Like, I completely understand why that is an alluring console to get. Like, as somebody with PC Game Pass, I don't need it. Like, specifically going, I don't need it because all the things I would only be able to play there, I can play on my PC. Yeah. But like yeah, it's a great machine. It's it's Game Pass is awesome. I I'm really happy that the Xbox exists because it's a it's a less costly investment as compared to a new computer that can handle these games. I think yeah. that's what the market there is for that. I think the way that Xbox stays prominent um besides considering that that it's the cheaper option is that um they make timed exclusives for the Xbox Game Pass versus the PC Game Pass which would probably piss a lot of people off and I can understand why it would but I feel like that is going to be one of the ways that the Xbox Series X and S kind of stay relevant I mean besides a the, lot of the games factor kind of do that ish just by having shit PC ports. <laughs> I I don't think they'll do that though. To be perfectly honest with you, I I think Microsoft is a lot less concerned with selling hardware than they are getting you on their subscription service. They yeah. want people in their ecosystem. They and as as long as they keep turning it out the way they're turning it out now, they're going to keep me in their ecosystem because Game Pass is a great fucking deal. Yeah. Well, that yeah. That's, that's, you can you can see that's where the focus has been. I mean, they've moved their operating system to a subscription for an operating system. The I mean, fucking Xbox Live used to need four forms of ID and and a priest in order to cancel it. Um, Letter of recommendation. Yeah, like it. It seems like it seems like the subscriptions are really where they're trying to get their money right now. So yeah. Yeah. And it seems to be working for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you for the comment, Johnny on the spot. Next, the Ted F. Hell no. Do what you want and play what you want to play and enjoy. Fuck anyone who wants to try and bring you down. I don't Damn think right. any, <laughs> I don't think anything else needs to be said. Can I get an Amen? That's yeah, I think that all that needs to be said. Hallelujah. Wholeheartedly. <laughs> JJ King 700 said GameFly pays for itself. I just changed the subscription tier as I need. So, for example, this month mm-hmm. I up my games um out, but in June I normally lower it to one game. So, basically, yep. he's saying that he has a subscription service that when he wants to play more games, he increases it and when he's not really playing anything, he decreases it. So that that kind of works for him to be a part of that conversation when he wants to be. Yeah. That's a fun Game- way to learn that Gamefly is still in business. Yeah, Gamefly, I, I loved Gamefly other than at the time that was at our old podcast and we were little shits about having to play the newest thing the week it came out. Um, And Gamefly is not good at having enough copies of everything to guarantee you get to play the new game the week of you need to get it reserved in time yeah 
Well, but everybody even used then, to steal from Gamefly, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, pretty much. But if you um, really wanted to keep a game, yeah. you just tell them it never showed up. Yeah. Okay. We all did that. Cool. <laughs> yeah, that was that was such a pain in the ass back in the day. I remember Josh would mm-hmm. be waiting for a new game, and Morgan and Adam and I would have it, and uh, Josh would be like, "Gamefly hasn't fucking sent it yet." Uh, but that was also during the time where fucking shipping wasn't as much of a priority as it is now and how wasteful <laughs> things are now in terms of shipping. So yeah, I could mm-hmm. under Yeah, it was it was a difficult time. But yeah, I wonder how game pla- pass for oh, sorry, if you pass, don't game care fly, about Yeah. Game fly would work. Yeah, if you don't care about needing it day one, it is Then it's a great service. It is yeah. it is it it competes with Game Pass. If if not as if if not as just outright better than Game Pass, um, in a lot of ways, it's just you have to be patient. If you are an impatient person, it does it does not work for you. In a lot of ways, it's better than Game Pass. For example, there's no way to steal from Game Pass. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I think of like excess shipping and how what how use we've gotten to it of, and this was ahead of its time, the joke even at the time. I just think of uh, the the bit from Scott Pilgrim where you order something off Amazon and then just goes to sit by the door. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a harrowing conversation for another day. Uh, Is it Togeru to, Togeru's Bay said? Hence, why there's Game Pass to begin with. But I like to buy the games on the cheap before they go up in price for physical and for the ones that are sadly expensive. I buy it on digital then. Hmm. And that makes sense. Kind of has his own isn't, uh, plan. Isn't that the weirdest thing now? How game prices go up afterward because there's just, they print so few copies that. It's not the case with everything, but with scarcity, some things, yeah. Scarcity starts to kick in. I mean, um, that also used to be a thing. Yeah. I mean, it kind of, it came and went and then came back. Um, like I've noticed that. I've been going back and trying to pick up a few like missing games from my collection for like the 3DS and or not not not, not the 3DS but well 3DS if they're on there but like kind of DS 3DS that generation um of games it, there's not a ton of copies just sitting around and getting a hold of some of those old things are are Nintendo's tough. also infamous for that unless something was infinitely popular you're not going to get a ton of copies printed on nintendo consoles mm-hmm. so that's that's been yeah. a, that's been fun i can't imagine like i used to try and collect for ps1 and then i was like you know what nah like that's that's yeah. out of my like, I, i'm not grade. collecting collecting but there are a few games that i've just been trying to get a hold of because like you want to uh yeah you want a copy of elevator action for famicom i got Ooh. you yeah yeah speaking of nintendo i got that uh, bad boy too yeah mother three not i got no, no no you saw nothing i got the red cart the, the like the ruby it's on a, a pokemon ruby cart it looks really oh, nice. that's cool yeah this just from the feel of the plastic um yeah, that's that's not. Uh, this was not ever a Nintendo cart. They uh, they molded we, that that case themselves. <laughs> we tempered the plastic Damn. by hand. Uh-huh. People oh died for that. Now the <laughs> the last the comment. There's a there's a there's a roguelike that is very much of the old school. You move, a turn happens thing, and I'm, uh, Dungeons of Dreadmore. Um. Anyway. 
it's it's like set in the future fairly humorous thing but you know the dwarves mind too greedily in it but it's it's set in like our future and one of the common ore types is plastic <laughs> that's pretty good so, so you find plastic armor and weapons and stuff anyway just kind of got me thinking anyway I wonder, I wonder how dwarves would thrive in modern society, or if they would at all. Mm-hmm. Would they become more like... Pretty, pretty well. One of the most valuable things on the planet we get from mining. Mm-hmm. That's fair. That's fair. It just like in terms of like human rights and, or uh, I mean, species. Oh, yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm sure at some point Elon Musk would have bought the rights to employing dwarves at this point. Yeah, no, Elon Musk would be the founder of Deep Rock Galactic. It, no, absolutely. The uh, boring be company would absolutely be... Mm-hmm. The Deep Rock Galactic Mining Corporation. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right, the last comment is from our good buddy, Mr. Bebop. He said, It's impossible to play everything for a variety of reasons, but the biggest one for me is opportunity cost. I'm in a position where I can buy almost anything I want within reason. But is there something else I could do with my time? Something that I would like more? Sometimes being a part of the zeitgeist is awesome. I wouldn't have played my current game of the year, Hitman 3, if I hadn't wanted to be in that mix. But more often than not, I want to prioritize my time in a way that maximizes my happiness. Mm -hmm. And I saved that comment for last because I think that resonates with me. Uh, the most uh, I think that to me and that's why I didn't actually mention it too terribly much is that I think is where I'm at the most because when we first started this podcast I just enveloped myself in the video games and it made sense at the time I had just moved to Japan I didn't really have any friends I hadn't really settled in yet um, I was exploring as much as time and money allowed but obviously I didn't have had a strong foundation in this country yet so i was playing a lot of video games and yeah i realized that by doing that in some regards the first year i was here i missed out on some opportunities you know that i could have partaken in had i not been playing as much video games so now um this being our fifth year of doing this that i've also realized that yeah, I, I do want to play games. I do want to be part of the conversation sometimes. But also, I need to make sure I'm prioritizing other things. And that actually steps outside of video games. And that would also include what we do as a business. You know, sometimes I feel like I should be doing this or doing that or creating this or creating new content. But also at the same time, it's like I also have personal goals that I want to achieve. I want to write. Um, I have a book that I've been working on for years that I want to finish. I want to get in better physical shape. Uh, you know, I want to repair, uh, get my shoulder rehabbed properly. I want to learn how to cook certain things. I want to do all these different things. I want to explore Japan. You know, just to be clear, he's talking about reading a book. (laughs) (laughs) He's he's almost done with the third Harry Potter. Almost. Dude, you will not believe the ending. It's really complicated language for me. But um, wait till you find out who the prisoner no, of Azkaban is. I need to know. But no, I I have all these other things I want to do in my life, and yeah, I love gaming. I do. I really enjoy. It. I've enjoyed it. It's probably one of my longest standing hobbies uh, outside of basketball, and maybe one or two other things. 
But I also realized as I've gotten older that I want to experience other things as well. Gaming isn't the only thing I want to do or mm. I want to be known for. So, yeah, I agree with Bebop completely that I want to pursue gaming in terms of as a hobby and as a business, but I also want to pursue other things personally and professionally as well. Yeah. Well, I have no that'll goals do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> again, if you want to comment on our topics of the week, I will be posting those every Thursday. Uh, and yeah, please leave a comment. We want to read them on the show. It's always really fun to have conversations based off of what other people think and feel about the topic of the show. Um, we're going to take a quick bathroom and commercial break. Uh, stay tuned. Listen to the beautiful commercials that we personally have curated. And we will be back in a few minutes. Don't go away. Hey, Josh. Hey, Shay. You know what I was thinking about this week? I want to spend my money on a lot of different things, like a wall clock, a face mask, a puzzle, and a t-shirt. You know where I could spend that kind of money? I was thinking about webbed feet, but if you want all that, you can find it at store.swordchomp.com. Oh, store.swordchomp.com. And I've heard they have a bunch of different logos, too. I've heard they have the Sword Chomp logo, the Chomping After Dark logo, and they just recently got up the In the Blood and the Evoking the Sublime logo as well. The rumors are true. Well, that's good. That's good. So if you out there are interested at all, head to store.swordchomp.com. That's store.swordchomp.com. See you there. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And I don't want to uh, exclude you if you are not a lady or gentleman. Just so you know, you non-binary people, we are also back. And we're glad you are here because we are going to talk about Resident Evil village i'm really excited to talk about this game um it's obviously taking the world by storm this past week uh everything from ethan having magical healing properties with the <laughs> with the the healing juice that you use in the game i know that's not the correct term guys, but you guys. know what uh, i'm not gonna call it the right term anyways because i don't give it's chem fluid i don't give a fuck I'm gonna, you know what I'm gonna say? I'm gonna say healing juice, just to piss people off. All I'm gonna say is, all the people who, you know, are laughing about uh, Ethan's miraculous ability to uh, heal, clearly have not finished the game. Mm. There are well, yeah. narrative explanations. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited. I, I, I actually haven't finished the game yet myself, so I'm excited. They to do see. not just let that be a silly thing. They go out of their way to explain it, and I'm so glad they did. Yeah. I'm excited for that. But then I'm again, it's Resident that. Evil. But like, everything... Yeah. I expect as much from them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> everything from chem fluids to lichens that don't look like a lichen you've ever seen before in your life, but it's I kind of like that, to Lady yeah. Dimitrescu. Is that how you say you, it? You, you really exaggerated it, but you did pronounce it correctly. Mm-hmm. Well, I, th- I thought that's how they pronounced it in the game. Uh, no, you the, did, you the did, big, yeah. Uh, the seller of wares, he's like, Dim- Lady Dimitrescu. But obviously I'm doing the face to, 
Which nobody can see except you yes. two for added emphasis. Demitrescu. <laughs> um, basically, basically the big titted vampire. If if you want to be technical, big everything. But um, the big titty goth girlfriend that everybody wants. Um, <laughs> no, this game has been taking the world by storm, and I am freaking excited that we're going to talk about it. Um, I want to get into some first impressions of the game you know the first few hours really start off with got a lot more than that yeah yeah i know but the first few hours pick up right where resident evil 7 left off um ethan has settled down with uh his wife and or i presume they're his wife it's his wife yeah it's his wife and their child their child and this happens at the very beginning of the game if you don't even want to be spoiled on this because this is probably the main spoiler that's going to be in there uh fast forward a little bit but his wife is killed pretty much right at the beginning of the game which i was like what the fuck and um is killed by the person who rescued you from the seventh game who saw that coming and your child is taken away. Classic Chris Redfield. Mm-hmm. Yes, classic Chris. Classic Chris. I can't say it. Classic Chris Redfield. We got it. From fighting, um, uh, from fighting pharmaceutical corporation execs and volcanoes to this. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they he takes your child away, and then suddenly you wake up in this village, hence the title of the game, not knowing what the hell is going on, and you are looking for your child. And that's pretty much how the game starts out. Now, what were your guys' first impressions of that little bit of opening sequence and whatnot? That, that's... It, I think the first... Like, despite all the shit that happens, I think the first hour or so of this game is actually the slowest in, in terms of, like, compelling you with what it's doing. Yeah. The scene with Mia getting shot up is hilarious because she's so over exaggerates every action. Like she is getting fucking riddled with bullets <laughs> and just feeling every bit of that impact. Um, I feel once you get more of the story later on, like all that stuff is so much more satisfying, but it's a, it's a hit the ground running opening, but I do think the, the, the opening, despite the amount of shit going on in it, is is the one part where the game struggles a little bit um yeah like up through that sequence that is a clear uh homage to the initial village sequence in four yeah i that sequence is rough on its own merits but then uh, the pc's perspective of it um there are way too many settings in this game and a lot of them they they do a really cool thing in this where each and every one of them it'll show you about how much it'll make the picture better about how much more processor load it'll be about how much more RAM it'll use so you you mm-hmm. understand as you cool. tweak settings which is really cool that's it's it's nice that you can kind of go at it and understand like okay uh, that's just that's too much GRAM I've I've got to cut something back here um, it's a really good system to have um, except that they the the bars of like how good it'll look don't really mean much um this game has a built-in thing on pc that's essentially like the automatic resolution scaling that nvidia's had for a long time um 
to just, you know, if your frame rate dips, it'll just lower the resolution. Um, but, but the built-in version of it is so aggressive that even on the lowest setting, the game was just like SD. Like I, 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 it doesn't work well. It uh, on PC that thing does not work well. And getting back to how this ties into the intro, I fucked around in that house for forever trying to get my settings right because you don't know what you're going with. It doesn't have like an auto detect. This should be about what you want, sort of a thing. And so I fucked around in that house forever trying to get settings correct and get the whole thing to run smoothly and whatnot. Um, eventually turned off their automatic resolution scaling thing because it makes the game look terrible. But um, it really slows down the intro because there are so many settings and they don't give you a good way to like kind of figure out... Like, they've got presets, but the presets are not what they should be. It's you, you really need to futz around with it. I, I futzed around with the settings in this game way more than I have with anything else in a long time. Um, Interesting. That's, which that's which weird additionally that slowed that. down the intro even more uh, playing that's on PC. That's weird that you had those problems. Like, I, I'm playing on my fucking base model PS4, and the game looks phenomenal on the PS4, even. I'm playing like, the PS5. I'm, I'm surprised. I had that, zero that issues. Gorgeous, yeah. Yeah. That no 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 the game is gorgeous and it was not a matter of like getting it to look amazing because the issue is that the game looks amazing even running at low settings. Um, honestly, uh, I would never ever turn on ray tracing for this game because all it does is make the sh- the floors shinier. That's that's literally all that happens. I love in this a shiny game. floor. Um, like I I messed around with the settings forever. The game looks amazing without that turned on. You turn it on. And it is the biggest performance hit I've ever seen enabling ray tracing on a game. Like, I went from 200 frames to 40 frames just from the one setting doing that. And it does not make the game look better. You just get shinier floors. Um, well, it's, if you, it's if weird. You, when I, you look down, and you I don't get into your, the weeds on, in important. most games like this. Yeah, I, I do not get into the weeds on most. Well, no, actually, they still have mirrors disabled everywhere because that's still too much of a performance hit. Mirrors um, are also they don't want you to see Ethan's face. Yeah, because that would be just no one wants to see Ethan's face. Um, but yeah, they do everything they can to avoid. This mirrors is not what working. I expected for first impressions. I thought it- no, I'm sorry, but it's 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 the thing that stood out to me the most because this game was a hassle to set up on PC. It way more so than anything else I've played in a long time, um, and it just kind of. It did, like it, it it slowed down an already slow intro, um, and by the time I was done, I felt like I had everything set to go. Got to the first area, realized no, I don't want to be in the higher difficulty because what it, like it just it just not tuned for that higher difficulty unless you completely understand where the game's going. And well, I had also, to restart the whole game because you can't change setting your difficulty setting mid game. Um, so then I had to redo that intro that was already very slow. So. But you can skip the cutscenes. You can skip the cutscenes, and so instead of it being, you know, an hour to get through, it was like, you know, five minutes. But anyway, I, I was... The intro to this, just because of how much of a hassle it was to set up, was 
get this on console, guys. Just fucking get it on console. Like PS5 don't, version don't is Don't fucking great. play this thing on PC. It is the biggest hassle I've played on PC in a long, long time. Um, for the love of God, get this thing on console is kind of my initial impression. Is, is where I'm getting with all of this. That's normally what what I feel with Capcom stuff, at least at first, anyway. Like stuff like Monster Hunter, where the PC port always comes much later. You can kind of count on it being more fine tuned. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my, uh, like Shay said, if the PS4 version is running great, that's awesome because the PS5 one is fantastic. Like you were saying, with the difficulty as someone who's done multiple runs at this point, it is a game less so than what seven was it's much more like old resident evil where it is a game that thrives on new game plus and upgrading equipment and bring it with you forward uh mm-hmm. so like i did the hardcore run post normal run and and that is that is the way this game is tuned it, it, yeah it's kind of tuned for you to get a bunch of gear and then then do then the hard mode with it and yeah starting that clearing it on certain modes also unlocks new weapons in the duke shop like mm-hmm. it and it's just so much fun like god fuck i'm going for the third run baby i'm going for nightmare i love i love this game i adore it yeah 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 but, but yeah, again my, start my on the normal difficulty play it on console kind of solves all the problems that i encountered right off the bat there so that's fair i when i first started the game i i had similar sentiments to mia getting shot up i was like god damn uh is it was a little bit dramatic, and I expect that from the Resident Evil franchise. But I was not expecting that intro twist, which is kind of cool. And I really, I was initially just blown away with the, the graphics. Obviously, the the technology there is insane. Like the facial animation is top notch. the The character movement is top notch as well. Uh, the environments mm. are incredible, which we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah, I, I was just absolutely blown away with a lot of different things in the in the beginning in terms of a technological achievement. Phenomenal, both uh, video and audio wise. Like the the audio design in this game is pretty well done. Uh, I would I would I would put it up there as being probably the best one of this this year so far that i have experienced have you guys Uh, been playing with headphones yes yeah have you managed to startle yourself the way i did um when you can hear the duke breathing from like two rooms over (laughs) there are a couple issues with that where it's like sometimes the the auto design is just amazing and then every now and then you get weird issues with like like you're saying being able to hear the Duke from forever away or no, I'm pretty sure you're supposed to be able to hear him breathing. Have you seen that guy? Yeah. But like, I've had issues where like I'm in the spawn room and you can literally hear footsteps from, you know, lady Dimitrescu stomping around her house. And every single one of them sounds like it's directly outside the room. You're like, how do I know where she's supposed to be? If they all sound that loud. Um, I, I, I kind of like that because it added to the the horror element or the suspense element for the me. The anxiety of, like, of it all. Is yeah. it safe to come out of this room now? And with it being essentially a, a it's a castle and everything like like you said the floors being shiny and everything being as hollow ho- sounding as it does, those footsteps would I I believe reverberate like that. I mean, I didn't have any issues with that. I really like the audio design in the game. Uh, the the intro did feel like you guys said a little bit slow. I think that's probably the least. Once you're in that castle, I think that's where it picks up. 
like yeah, in, in, in the, a big the way. intro. The intro is slow. As soon as you are kind of thrown into the village, you start getting a little bit interested. Um, I I would still say that even that section was a little bit slow and is a little bit confusing. Uh, right before you get into the the castle, basically you're trying to kind of figure out what the hell is going on, and there's a section. Um, and this is my only big major issue with the game so far. Yeah. It's such a, uh, to me, it's a minor thing, but there's a part where basically you are swarmed by lichens and you're running away and you're trying to figure out where to go next in the village and basically what's supposed to happen. Um, and this again is a very minor spoiler. This will be the only other minor spoiler is that you run to the one, this one end of this path and this giant creature, which I still don't know what it is quite yet, because I'm not far enough in the game to know what that is, breaks through. And so you run the other direction while avoiding all these lichens that are coming, like an infinite amount start coming. And then you're supposed to run back across this bridge um, at the right time for the big creature to catch you. And that was incredibly confusing because it didn't, the yeah. game didn't really You don't really have to be anywhere specific. You, the game didn't really point you in that direction at all. And the first time yeah. I played, I'm sitting there unloading on all of these lichen, hoping that eventually the wave stops. But yeah. it intentionally is not supposed to stop. And then I, I got killed anyways. And I was like, okay, well, what the hell am I supposed to do here? And so I was running around, I was wasting a few bullets, not shooting as many, because then I realized, okay, well, I can't, there's not a, like, yeah. a Shay, definitive I... number, there, there's an infinite number. And then I just happened to run across the bridge at the right time for that big creature to catch me, and there's, that's the only part of the game I feel like that the game wants you to figure something out when it shouldn't have been the case. Like everything else in the game, yeah. obviously that's one of the big things about resident evil is like, there are environmental puzzles that you are supposed to figure out. There are items you're supposed to pick up by killing certain enemies, by unlocking certain locations. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. I mean, that's part of some of the most interesting stuff in the game. That's why I love resident evil. That particular sequence should not have been that. I don't feel like, because there's nothing else quite like that in the game. And I understand yeah. that they want you to kind of feel that they want you to feel the spectacle of the situation and the utter well, hopelessness of the situation. But yeah, it, well, there's no directive hmm. of that either. Like they could have this done is, it this a is, little better. I, I, they could have done it a lot better. I, I talked about, they did I, it a lot better almost 10 years ago in four. Like I, 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 I texted you guys are talking to, to Rich about it. They're, they're trying to recreate the intro to four where you get into this... With the church bells, yeah. Yeah, with the church bells, you get into this town and they're performing this ritual and you get there and everyone, everyone shows up and there's no way you can avoid them. And they do this neat thing where like, okay, you barricade doors, you try to like survive and run. Which this does as well, yeah. You can. And this is the same thing, but in four... It's a third-person game. They don't have a problem with pulling the camera away from you and giving you cutscenes to explain, okay, this new thing happened. We'll give you a big thing. The way this sequence plays out in 7, every new trigger is literally just a vocal bark. From the, the, the alpha. 
Well, not just that. From you, from from Ethan. Oh, from Ethan. Yeah. From yeah. Ethan, like, if it, it whenever he says anything new, it means something was triggered in the sequence. That's the only progress and that it is actually just matters. Buying time. That's yeah. all it is. Um, the, the other thing I'll I'll note on this because having done it multiple times, I have kind of a better understanding of that sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason they give you as much time as you do, and the reason you can avoid the sort of alpha lichen who eventually, you know, you have that encounter with him and then they run off. Yeah. Uh, you can take him down in that sequence. Yeah. Well, uh, I, that's... there there's a trophy for doing so. Yeah, which again is just like in four. You absolutely stand zero chance of doing so on your first playthrough. First, yeah, but once also, you've got once you've got the Tommy gun with infinite ammo, yeah, like you in can, four, you can yeah, you can take care of that chainsaw dude. Um, which it's it it's literally the same the thing. Lines. But like the way this plays out, because it's again the triggers as far as you are concerned, as far as what you can one hundred percent of the time always see happening going through there. It's just Ethan's vocal barks. I did not see that fucking alpha lichen my first four times through there because Until he, he was on top of you. Well, not like, oh, no, not you, period tries at it. I get you because like he'll spawn and Ethan will react whether you're looking the direction you're supposed to be to see him or not. Also, I he, never he's saw too large him. to be in a building. So if you are barricaded somewhere, yeah, you won't see him. You won't. Yeah, exactly. And so. Again, because I was playing this on the hard difficulty the first few times through, never saw him, never had a clue what was going on because they didn't want to break immersion and pull the camera away to, like, show this alpha lichen popping up and, like, okay, all right, I now I understand what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm just running from this guy. Like it's- Now, if Ethan had uh, stared at the camera and said, where'd everybody go? Bingo. Then we'd know that we were yeah, playing Resident Evil 4. It's just a matter of them not they're not telegraphing what you're doing in this section. Um, it doesn't present itself well. Like, I understand, and again, it's the clear homage to 4, which is pretty much a lot. what a lot of this game is. That's the only and reason I figured out what it was, because I'd played 4. Because it's I that, would, yeah. I would never have figured out what the fuck was going on if I hadn't played 4 before here, other than just brute-forcing it. Yeah. Like, it just... It is... They did not use the mechanics of this game to explain what was happening to you well at all for this section. Yeah, I mean that's that sequence is frustrating, but I don't want us to harp on it too much either because I feel like there are a lot of things that this game does right. And yes. I don't I don't want us to start off with too much negativity. But I, I, I understand what you're saying. I do agree with you on that because yeah that that sequence is very very frustrating especially if this is your first time playing a resident evil game or even you Mm -hmm. didn't play four like me you don't really understand the reference point of what's happening so um now obviously having talked to these two that i understand that but i didn't understand that at the time because i'd never played resident evil four other than a brief time at somebody's house as a teenager so uh that was a little bit frustrating but the rest of the game uh, yeah. <laughs> the rest of the game as you get into it really is interesting because yeah. Um Rich has said this other people have said it online. It's very much um t- and we can try and avoid spoilers from here on out as much as possible because I think like the, the beginning intro stuff of the game is not such a big deal, but from here on out I think is where yeah, the game yeah, yeah. is a lot more interesting and compelling in terms of the story. 
No, no, no. We don't want to spoil you... exactly how Lady Dimitrescu steps on you, and it's wonderful. <laughs> you need to experience well, nah, that nah. for yourself. Yes, you do. No comment. Uh, when the game, when you actually start getting into places, it's really fascinating what's what's happening in the game. But I, what one thing I found interesting, and this is also what I read, is that Final Fantasy or not Final Fantasy? What the fuck? Uh, Resident. <laughs> I don't know where my brain was going there. Uh, Resident Evil Seven uh, is very much a horror game. It's very very horror driven. Uh, for some people, it was a very scary game. Some people named me. Disagree, um, but continue. Yes, fucking scared the shit. That game scared the fucking shit out of me. Plenty of times. This game is more, uh, more like 4 and 7 had a baby in terms of the atmosphere. Yeah. It's very yeah, yeah, action-oriented, but there are sequences that also are very driven by atmospheric and environmental horror. Mm-hmm. Um, you could even reference the PT demo if you want, in certain sequences, which in I was places, actually talking yeah. about with... One very specific area, yeah. Mm-hmm. With, yeah. Yes, and I really... I, so far, I've really enjoyed that, that blend. It feels... It, it even feels kind of akin to number two, in some ways, where if you leave an environment long enough and you come back to it, sometimes enemies repopulate. It's not often. Uh, yes. I think that was more... It's like a, more it's like a lower two. number. To when stop it you does from it, it's, ammo, but. it's purposeful. Yes. yes um, it exactly. is by design exactly. the sort of and way to be like, we know you're going to be passing back through here, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I really, um, I really enjoyed that because it, it adds so much to the atmosphere of what's going on. I, I don't feel quite as uneasy as I did when I played Resident Evil 7, especially the little time that yeah. I played it in VR, even knowing what was coming. Like, that game just unnerved yeah. me so much. But this one, I feel... Le- I felt a little less unease, but I still feel anxiety nonetheless because I... Um, th- there are certain things that are happening in the story, especially when you get into the first major area, that keep you on the edge of your seat. And it's less about um yeah horror or suspense because you well i guess it's suspense in some way because you already know what's coming when that happens but there's nothing you can do to stop it yeah like seven i didn't think was that scary but that's just it's it's a personal thing a lot of this i think it's way scarier than this and i think it is way more horror driven than this i think in i think its intention is to be yes um, the thing I did not jive with Seven was that it felt like it was that one tone the entire time. Yes. And, like, because of the way I play games, I saw what it was doing, and then because it was the one note the whole time, it was never scary for me because I, I saw what it was doing early on. I'm like, okay, like, all right, like, this, that's going to be what it does. Whereas for the record, I think playing in VR completely changes that. It does. Too. It does. It, and I played that entire game in VR. It, it it makes a difference because it's something you can't escape. But the tone is very much the one thing throughout. Yeah, um, it's it's very consistent. Um, whereas in eight, I feel like they there's a whole lot more variation from one section to the next yeah. as far as how the tone is going to play out. It's, it's still a horror game, but 
Some of them are more action focused. Some of them are more yeah, like I, I, really horror and suspenseful. The factory and, in particular is very much an action sequence. The mm-hmm. the dollhouse is way more horror focused, and I think that goes to show you a lot of the smart stuff they took from four. Um, when you look at like the obvious stuff, like treasures are back, um, the attaché yeah. case is back, so you can Tetris your inventory. Um, but I feel like one of the big design choices here was the big personalities this game has. Whereas, again, I, I refer to uh, the the four lords of Resident Evil Village as rejected One Piece villains. Um, yeah, because they're all just sure. Gecko Moria's crew. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, they they kind of feel that in some way for sure, and but I know that fun. I read that one of the reasons why some of the tonal shifts happen in this one, as compared to something like Seven, is because they took a lot of feedback from Seven. Um, from my understanding, that the the developers saw that and heard that Seven was such a scary game for so many people that it almost made it inaccessible for a lot of people because it was too scary. So they wanted to dial back that horror and suspense element a little bit to make it more yeah. readily available for massive amounts of audience well, which makes which makes sense it makes I mean, total like, sense mm-hmm. I th- I, I, a I, mean, I think it makes sense from a accessibility standpoint so you're not just freaked out constantly but also i feel like it makes some of the horror in this game pop it's campier in a way that works well and, and i think i think what they really took like i was saying like th- my favorite part of four and i think a lot of people agree with this is uh salazar's castle and i feel mm-hmm. like a lot of what they took was like the entire game should be that we need four ramon salazar's <laughs> yeah i mean for a lot but i mean but even even the non-campy parts i feel like the horror itself works better because you're not always getting that one thing I feel like whenever they kind of decide, okay, this part's going to be the scary part, it works the better because... The aesthetic changes dramatically, the yeah. tone changes dramatically based off the the person that is fucking with you in the... Exactly. Like, that obsession with Lady Demi- Demitrescu, I feel like she is, like, just the tip of the iceberg in interesting, over-the-top characters. Yeah. Because it, she is, like, one of the first areas, and, it, and then it is a total tonal shift wherever you're going. Um, it, even the Duke is an interesting character in his own right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying, Josh, and I actually agree with it in some ways. It's to me like almost everything I reference to music, I apologize. To me, I think of it like a death metal album, just a straight death metal where it's breakdown after breakdown after breakdown, heavy vocals after heavy vocals, and it's the same distorted guitars, it's the same blast beats, just rearranged differently and i'm not i'm not downplaying death metal because i actually love death metal very much sounds like I, but at the same time <laughs> it's like i have to be in the right mood for that kind of experience if i just want to hear like for 40 minutes then mm-hmm. i gotta be in the mood for that. yeah you know you, i gotta, you've I gotta, got, be you've got to that. really want 30 Whereas, second notes for for a solid hour you gotta be in the mood for that right exactly <laughs> but what like a lot of the music i i kind of see myself going towards and this has been the case for the past six or seven years now is i lean towards more a lot of like prog rock prog metal and jazz mm-hmm. fusion because there's a lot and like even it uh, goes gen- places it yeah, it really does and the thing i always think about is um is there's a lot of peaks and valleys within that kind of music um 
mm-hmm. when there's a breakdown, it really feels that much more poignant and heavy. When there's a melodic section, it feels that much more emotional because they withheld that up until this point. And I feel like in this in in this game, yeah, like the it's it's similar. Um, I I just got to the dollhouse section r- literally right before we started the podcast, and I turned it off because I want to be fully immersed into that. But oh, yeah. I was walking down the hallway, and then a door just kind of <laughs> opens, and I was like, "Oh fuck, this is like PT and Resident <laughs> Evil Seven all over again." And I was like, "All right, uh-huh, I need yeah, I need totally. to be fully immersed in this, so I need to turn it off at this point." But yeah. um, yeah, like because I hadn't experienced anything in this game up until that point like that, that that just like it gave me this wave of dread. And it's like the same when I messaged you guys earlier, I sent you the voice message of I was checking the house, this house for an item and um, it tells you to look somewhere and then you look and you see these these numbers for the safe that you're or this uh, lock that you're supposed to open and suddenly a lichen just pops out at the screen at you and that scared the fuck out of me and it's because up until that point that kind of thing hadn't really happened like that kind of jump scare hadn't happened and so they they say it, it was to yeah. me like i remember to this day and i've talked about this a few times on the show in bioshock when you're checking that drawer and then you turn around and there's a splicer right in your face because they had never done it yeah in that game up until that point. So when it happens, it scares the fucking shit out of you because you are not mm-hmm. expecting it. And it's the same case here. And to kind of relate it back to what you were saying earlier, Josh, um, I can understand why you weren't scared as much by resident evil seven, because it's kind of, it's very much tonally the same thing. And for me, it worked from, and I, I could understand for other people, it didn't work as well. I, I think that game is probably one of the scariest games, if not the scariest game I've played to date. Um, just because like it works so well on me but yeah it also is very much the same kind of thing where this game has a lot of variation to it and i really like yeah. that even in other environments when you're in the village it's this snowy uh, uh this creepy village and it's really cool and the graphics really lend itself to that because you could be on one whole side of the village and you're looking at the other side like towards the mountainside and you see crows flying in the distance kind of just circling something (laughs) shoot those crows they have money what Mm -hmm. what the fuck are they doing like they're just circling over there but they they don't look like the fucking ps1 graphic birds from assassin's creed valhalla they look like actual you know rendered properties in the game like they look real and you go over there and eventually Mm -hmm. you get to that location and they're still there and it's like man like tonally they worked so hard on this game to make each section stand out for various reasons and it shows the love and craft that they put into those sections yeah yeah totally and like you said, everything's everything's so unique. It was I noted in um and there's a full review for this up on the swordjump.com. Um I I noted in the review like the, the one like weird concern is even the areas are so distinct and so different and that's totally positive because it keeps you engaged and it makes you want to keep going without anything getting stale. But at the mm-hmm. same time, it almost narratively feels weirdly disjointed. <laughs> when you're like there's this gothic castle and then like 40 feet this way there's like an industrial factory. Yeah. I mean, 
it's not a big deal. It's just I, I, I it can seem a little jarring if you take the time to think it is, about it. Yeah, I think it's, it's an overall yeah. positive. It's and also, what, Resident yeah. Evil is stupid I mean, as hell. So I mean, that it, makes a lot of sense for the Eastern Bloc, but um, to be fair, yeah, yeah, it, it, like this this game does so much so well. It leans into the stupidity of its roots while. And I know you guys aren't there yet, but I just want to note for people who are concerned, the things I really like that this game starts to tie up for itself, which are how it, it successfully continues the story of Ethan Winters while then continuing to tie itself back to Resident Evil's existing lore and the existing events of the past mm. games. I think at one point Heisenberg refers to Chris Redfield as a boulder punching moron, which is the greatest reference to dumb shit that's happened in Resident Evil ever. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah i i like that the game is really self-aware i do want to say that um just like it, it never takes itself too seriously but it's just so seriously enough you into the world yes yeah like that's that's this is a resident evil game and I feel like this should not be your first Resident Evil game. Like that's that's the, kind of my one opinion on it. There's so much here that feels like it kind of relies on everything else that it doesn't feel so much like a greatest hits as it feels like you need to understand what these things are doing to kind of like at least have some sort of frame of reference. Like something. I still think seven of, is a good jumping on point, and this is very much a continuation of Ethan Winter's story. Yeah, and I think it can and work from, there, from that point. But like, you could read a Wikipedia article. Um, <laughs> to kind of learn about Umbrella with and... both of you, I would say the the Resident Evil Two remake is the jumping on point. Oh I, well, that, yeah, like the remake is fine. Like game, as so. far as like, but like, there's so much here as far as like dumb decisions. If you're if you're just playing any game, but oh, it's a Resident Evil game. It makes sense. Um, stuff like literally picking up every item has a musical sting like a horror musical sting to it where it's just it's just dumb and it's tiring but like oh it's resident evil it's campy it's fun it works because of the context of the the series as a whole outside of that but like it is it's been a while since I've played a Resident Evil game because I didn't play I've not played the remakes yet. So it's been a while and coming back to that has been a little bit jarring. Like, oh, I guess this was you Resident play Evil. The remakes. Um like to remake my my favorite Resident Evil ever. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't play those and like coming back to them after such a long time has been like <sighs> those it's remakes very are Resident so Evil delightful. and it's it's taken a while to reacclimate to it. I, I yeah That's fair. I, I guess I get that. I just I have such a love for this series that I find nothing but charm in those things. Yeah, I mean I I guess it's it's like whenever the Final Fantasy like fanfare music shows up uh, somewhere. It's 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 that it's sort me, of thing. Yeah, they did the thing. Like Yeah, I, they did yeah. the thing and there's a lot of that here with like the save room music is the same save room music that's the piano been there puzzle. forever. And in a lot of a lot of little things like that, just kind of feel like they're specifically tailored towards fans of the series who kind of understand what's going on. And and not all of it is there. Like the game is still solid on its own fronts, but there are just weird decisions 
unless you understand where they're coming from in a lot of places. Um, like shooting at shiny spots on the wall? Yeah, yeah, like... Yeah. See, the funny thing is, I would have never thought to have looked for, uh, for, for anyone who's unaware or hasn't, like, finding some of the treasures that can be sold in the game. Sometimes you'll just see a little white glint on a wall, and you need to shoot at it, and then the treasure will fall. When I noticed treasures were back in this game, I immediately think back to Resident Evil 4, so I'm yep. keeping an eye out for shiny spots on the wall, and then I immediately see, oh, yep, they did it. <laughs> treasures buried in the wall. Yeah, weird stuff like that. There's no reason you would think to do that. Why would you even attempt that unless you've kind of got context for it? Mm -hmm. um, but that's the sort of thing they do here. I didn't mind so. it. I didn't mind it at all. I thought it was kind of cool. When I finally figured out, because there were a lot of rooms, um, you have a map that you check to kind of see what rooms um, that did you've been help in, you out. haven't been it in, where you go next, to... which rooms yes. that yes. you have gotten all the stuff in and not uh, it's denoted by red meaning you haven't gotten everything in blue that you have gotten everything in that room that um when i finally figured out uh when it was kind of explained that there are there's stuff hiding in the walls and whatnot or in the ceiling as it as it may be when you finally figure that out that i was like oh shit this is why i haven't cleared a lot of these rooms out and mm -hmm. I was okay with that, because once you figure that out, it's like, oh, there's an additional layer or an element to the game. And I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think it, there's anything bad about it. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I, I think that's a fine example of it, because that doesn't matter for your playthrough. But more, more so the musical stings are the things that like, really stood out to me. Like, and this is awkward. Like, literally every time I pick up an item, a horror music sting plays, and it's just like, it's just like it's too much. It ends up being too much from just a this is supposed to be a horror game standpoint. Um but like it's a Resident Evil it's game. It's funny so cuz that doesn't I don't think about that at all. Like yeah, <laughs> when I, you I put didn't it out to me. Those stood I'm just like oh I so love that. Much it's hilarious. Because it's like literally literally fucking everything. You pick it yeah, up. It's great. And it's like yeah, I loved it too. <laughs> yeah. I per, I mean I, 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 it's something like we kind of talked about in the last conversation with the topic. It's something I didn't really think about, something I wouldn't never would have thought about in a negative context. I, it just to me, it was like, oh, that's just keeping me engaged into what's happening into the, the I mean, atmosphere of the game. Josh, what's the other option? I mean, think back in five, they took out typewriters and I threatened to burn down the Capcom office. Yeah, no, I mean, again, that's. That's kind of my point. Like they've put everything back in this one. This game is literally well, typewriters all... have been back for quite a while at this point. No, no, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like this game has all the things, all, all the, the things, things, all the things are in this game. Um, you mean the fact that by the end of the game, my handgun has a rifle stock, an extended barrel, and a drum magazine? Yeah, mm -hmm. it's fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, and it just it works as a Resident Evil game, but as a horror game it's whatever like they're not resident evil games aren't horror games and i feel like the way they build them in japan i can agree with that is like no it's not they're not horror games they're resident evil games it's kind of where more, i'm coming they're, from there well they're not they're not what i would call straight horror they're horror camp like yeah they are like slasher movies incarnate into with, yeah. with like a tinge of action and i fucking adore with, that mm -hmm. i would say with the exception of seven Seven is a horror seven game. is very seven is tinged. its own thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's it but was... yeah. Every everything else, everything else, I would agree. And I think you know with this game, 
I'm okay with that because like we what kind of like what we talked about earlier um when those horror elements and those moments do come as I'm just now hitting upon it really yeah. really works it really it hits works. hard and, it hits hard because they don't do that for the rest of the game and it's like I feel like I feel like that the dollhouse in particular is just like because you've not been getting that one note the whole time, it works it, better here. It works, and it doesn't overstay its welcome, and mm-hmm. every area does that. Like, the funny thing is, the dollhouse is, I think, that moment where I absolutely knew I was going to beat that game very quickly, because I entered the dollhouse, which is the second quote-unquote area, and I immediately started doing the first, like, puzzle of it. And I was like, oh, I'll just finish this up real quick. I want to see what's here, and then I'll take a break for a while. And then I just kept having to go, well, let me see what's behind this door. And then before <laughs> I knew it, I was leaving the dollhouse. And I'm like, oh, this game's so fucking good. Like, yeah. I just... I... Yeah. What, one thing I will... One thing, other small thing I will say, and it's not a complaint. It's more like hilarity to me. And it's not... Like, I don't mind it. It's just funny. It's something that Rich and I were talking about earlier. Is up until that point... Um, all the enemies are like you're constantly getting trapped and you're running away and you're trying to kill these enemies and you're getting trapped and like these kind of things are happening in the silly narrative that is Resident Evil. Not one of them up until you get to the dollhouse thinks about taking your gun away. And this is something Rich and I were mm-hmm. talking about before the That's show. Why... Like nobody takes your gun away, and it it's until you get to that it, section yep. that somebody's like, oh yeah, this guy shouldn't have his guns. And then the guns get taken away. He sure has killed a lot of us so far. Maybe we should take his gun away. We captured him. Why did we? Why did we handcuff him and then leave him with a gun? It was just so. It was so weird because like, (laughs) lady, lady Dimitrescu and her and some other characters have this one conversation. I guess this is a very minor spoiler. I guess Um, they have this conversation where they're like. Ethan's he's so powerful he's done all these things how do we like how can we stop him like this like this not quite that conversation but something similar to it and I was like yeah why didn't you take his guns away when you when you, <laughs> when had, you had him captured up, yeah <laughs> it just it's like one of those silly things like when you realize okay they don't take this too seriously neither should I and prior, I think yeah I think that's what prior to kind us, of like um, the whole purpose of that yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I. I mean, I don't know if you guys have anything else really pressing to say about the game. Well, yeah, I, just before we move on, I got one more thing I wanted to say. Yeah. Um. Was if if we could briefly talk about uh, this? This made me think about like uh, the the way a lot of the writing works in these games and stuff. One of the few people Ethan gets to talk to regularly in this is the Duke, the the merchant, which is why I think they made him a way more of a character than even the Resident Evil 4 merchant was in terms of things he has to say to you. I love the writing on the Duke because he has like specific comments for you selling like items bosses drop. Um he has specific comments about certain uh yeah. gun upgrades and if you start selling like um in regular inventory items like if you get to the point where you're like i'm selling ammo or med kits i just yeah. love listening to him condescendingly being like hard times ethan <laughs> like he's <laughs> he, i the duke is just very interesting he's a standout character for sure and that uh, one thing i actually found really interesting because i hadn't played much of four i know a lot of people reference the merchant from four 
is that he actually has some part to play in the narrative, which I found really, really interesting. And I'm excited to see how that plays out more later in the game. I, I think that's something that's really, yeah. really interesting and cool. It reminds me kind of of Fire Emblem in a way where yeah, um, the merchant in Fire Emblem, Anna, or Anna, if you're in Japan, actually can be a playable character. Um, and I thought that that was really cool that, that I like when games do that. They don't just have a, like, they don't have characters just to do one specific thing. And with the merchant in this game, yeah, plays some kind of role. I really like that. He also makes a reference to the Resident Evil 4 merchant where sometime, like, I, I think I only got it once in the whole game when you go in and he gives you a, what are you buying? And then he, like, laughs and says that that's something a friend of his used to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Uh, that's great. I, one thing that made me sad about the game, <laughs> this is such a minor thing, I know, uh, that me being who I am, I had this pig come and charge at me in this house, and I fucking blew his ass away. I didn't feel bad about that. But then you get to another house in the village, and there's, there are these three chickens just kind of chilling in the yard, and I was like, I'm not going to kill these guys. They're cute as hell. And, like, they've already been through you enough. Like, I'm not going to terrorize them any further. And then you go back to the merchant, and suddenly a new menu opens up and it's like kill these various animals to upgrade your character permanently and sure as shit poultry was one of mm-hmm. the things that you got to buy and i was like i gotta go back and kill those chickens don't i hey. i so love I, I mean they I go into the yard i go into the yard to kill them i'm like i'm not gonna waste my ammo on this so i'm like yeah, just like them. crouching yep. and trying to slash them with my knife and i'm sitting there thinking <laughs> You know, because I've had the thought in my life of what it would be like to have my own homestead, like a self-sustainable homestead. And yeah, no, I was thinking about like, if I wanted to eat chicken, I'd have to you raise my own and slaughter my own chickens. And I was sitting there slaughtering these fucking uh, 3D rendered models of chickens in this game and I felt so bad and I was like I could never do this in real life just holding a chicken head and slicing it yeah. Dude, no, I no, you don't, so much you guilt don't do about that. doing you, that in you game. You pick it up just like you're holding a baby You just like you're holding the baby and then you just grab the skull and you kind of whip it down like you're like you're flicking a towel at somebody and that'll be enough to just snap the spine oh, right there. Oh, no, that's, I feel about that. That's, uh, that's when you have that 2015 Wonderful hit. Look at the flick of the wrist. Look at the mm-hmm. flick of the wrist. No, I don't like I don't know. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't either. I felt so um, guilty doing that in the game, but just a minor thing for me. Chicken death is far from the darkest thing that happens in this game for the record. Like basically the main through line of the game, which I won't spoil. It's almost comical in a sense how like shocked ethan can be by something and then immediately on board he's like i can't believe this i guess this is what we're doing today <laughs> like like well okay then yeah <sighs> yeah i yeah there there's some weirdly sentimental parts in the game and i, I will say for me it was sentimental and i was surprised yeah. by that and i told you guys that privately i so i won't spoil that here but there's ending like is surprisingly sentimental but we can talk about that once you're both done mm-hmm. yeah yeah maybe maybe we should even do a chomping after dark on. i this. was thinking I think this so. might be I our first is... one back yeah. i'll write it if you'd like because i really like i just i love sitting down and thinking about this game i I love it so much yeah no no, no i like think this, i'm gonna have to write well this, i can't this write seems that like today, the game for it game. cool 
Yeah, I can write that. I can write that. We can do that here soon. But anyways, yeah, I mean, if you guys have no other thoughts, I think that'll tie this game up. I mean, Resident yeah, Evil no, 8 I think, is a I think great I hit game. most of them. If you want uh, my, like, very fleshed out thoughts, like I said, that review is alive over on swordchomp.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I fucking adore this game. It's live and alive. It's both. In some it's, ways, yes. Yeah, yeah, very much so. All right, well, let's talk about the next game, and then after that, we can go on our second break. You guys played a game called Before Your Eyes. Now, I was reading about this game, and I found it really, really fascinating. So, from my understanding, that this game um, is basically about what happens to your soul after you die. And what's interesting about it is it uses some innovative technology. It uses the blinking of your eyes um, for this game. So I'm going to let you guys take it away. I just kind of wanted to set up the premise of what this game is. So take it away, guys. Yeah, yeah. This is a game I kind of had on my radar for a while because, uh, like you said, there have been games that have done, like, eye tracking and whatnot before to kind of, like, add a... This is next level. (laughs) ...an element to the actual game. but. This is the eye tracking is the game. It's 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 not eye tracking as far as where you're looking, but you you play this game by blinking is is how it is. Like you you go there's there's a quick wizard to set up your webcam and whatnot at the beginning of the game, at which point you can like, you know, use the thumbstick to look around and pick where you're looking, but all your interactions are based off of when you blink your yeah. your your eye movements it's it's if, if you you blink to do certain uh actions sometimes you'll need to like hold your eyes closed sometimes um a big part of it you, a lot um, of that through tears towards the end is this game made me very fucking sad yeah <laughs> like like you, you mentioned at the beginning kind of your 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 setup to this is you are you know a soul who is who has died and you're kind of reliving your memories and whatnot um whenever you blink in a lot of these scenes you'll move it on jumps forward you'll move on to the next memory and so a lot of the time you'll be in a scene and oh my god like this is this is really cool like i want to know everything that happened here i want to live in this moment for as long as possible um and you can only do that for as long as you don't blink. You can keep blink. your eyes open. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you need to blink, you move on. Um, and it, it ends up giving you this feeling of things passing you by, wh- whether you're ready for it or not, in a really, really visceral way, because it's literally gone when you blink. Like, it, it will it will not be there when your eyes open again. And the character who's sort of like steering you down the, the sort of river sticks analogy in the beginning, like is telling you how it's going to work. And it, it does it really well. I think we go, you know, when you blink, you're going to move to the next memory. It could be five minutes forward. It could be five years forward. And a lot of the time you'll find yourself like trying to keep your eyes open because the other characters in the scene are talking and you want to hear what they have to say. And then you just, can't do it anymore and they give you that emotional heft where like this character the the ferryman or whatever 
at the beginning tells you be like i know you're going to feel emotional about this and there's going to be points where you're going to want to stay but you need to understand that you can't that you have to move on mm -hmm. and it, it's it's one of those like we've talked about this before in in completely different well not completely different but like other other situations where the way the gameplay locks into the narrative is drastically different from one game to the next but this is this is one where i feel like just just even the concept of it um to you know like forcing you to not blink to to live in this moment for as long as possible it just it it, it connects you directly to what's going on in the narrative um it just and it does it it, it does it so well in part because it works so well Mm -hmm. Um, like so, so surprisingly well when she calibrated. I will say I know Josh didn't have the same problem as me, but I have very thick glasses with very big frames. I could not play this game wearing my glasses; it would not calibrate properly. Um, but I'm my vision is not bad enough that that was a, a major concern. Um, you know, two two hours to sit down and play through this with my glasses off is fine. Yeah, it's it's about a movie length. It's something you can kind of accomplish in one sitting. Uh, one sitting ish. Um, I have chronic dry eyes and I took a short break in the middle just to kind of, I did it straight through, but yeah, I don't, I don't have that. Uh, my eyes were a little red by the end from a combination of holding them open and, and actual tears from sadness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, like I, I kind of, I knew this was going to be an issue because I've, I've like, I've had prescription eye drops in the past just because it's like, it's an issue for me. Like it's, it's going to be something like if, if that's something you kind of, you, you know, you're going to deal with. Um, just kind of be aware of that going forward. You may, you may need a break. Um, it, it is, it is very much designed to be a sort of single sitting sort of an experience. It is very much a, you know, like sit down, like you're watching a movie or something and, and totally. live through this thing. Um, sort of a feeling to it. Uh, and it does that just excellently. Um, boy, is that back half upsetting. <laughs> yes, it is. It's, it is, this is. Like I I I I've been following this just because of the tech, but the the way they pulled this off was just it... like the tech alone would have been enough for me to be like everybody should see this, mm -hmm. but I think the performances and the story are mm -hmm. really great. Yeah, the 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 voice acting and the the animation to go along with those those voices for the characters you're you're in this world with are really affecting. Uh, to the point where, like, if if it if if that didn't work, you wouldn't care about like, oh man, I have to st I have to stay here. I have to I have to not blink for the section. I I need to see how this all plays out. If that didn't work, you wouldn't have a reason to care about the the tech, the the interaction that you're doing with it. But it it ends up working excellently. Like the whole thing comes together in the end because because each of the parts are solid on their own front. It just, it comes together to be something just greater than the sum of that because of the way you experience the story. I mean, it's a $10 game. Like if you have a PC to play this on, I, this is something you can play it without the, the eye tracking thing. And I still think it would be enjoyable, but like it really, it wouldn't it, affect you in the same way. If you were just no, clicking yeah, a button to get not. through it. Um, like it's, it's something that 
yeah, like at the beginning, it's like, oh, you, you want to play without eye tracking? It's like it's it's an option, but and and it, it's not something that I think the story would be bad without it. It would still work. The narrative on its own is good enough, but the way it connects to you on a physical level by playing it, you know, the way in, the way it was intended to be, is it's it's something special. And um, I, I should probably mention, uh, Josh, I don't know if you looked into this. I just wanted to note it because I'm sure this is something that's of interest to some people. I thought about streaming this game. Mm-hmm. Um, and the major concern I had at first was the game needs to use your webcam. So can, you know, OBS or whatever, use your webcam then. It's got an they option have, to like restream your webcam in the yeah, game. Yeah, basically like where the game will, while it's using it to track your eye movements, it will also capture you like retroactively mm-hmm. so you can use something like obs and the game in tandem which is really forward thinking um yeah and, and it really, really cool. is considering some of the limitations of of streaming software because that's something that we've we've run into just from you know just trying to stream different games and the like um so it, it is good that they've thought that through totally um, totally it is it is extra effort that while not entirely necessary is super appreciated because Otherwise, this the solution would be have two webcams. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, I, I was, I was, this is something that I kind of kept on my radar is like, okay, this is a neat little thing. I'm curious to see where it goes. I've but been hearing I, about it for a while, and then you mentioned you had played it, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm going to play this tonight because I very much wanted to have this conversation with you. It, it, it surprised me in such a positive way as far as the way they were able to pull off something like this, like a, a new, a new way to interact with a game narrative. Um, and it, it, it really is something that I think you should play. If you are a fan of the medium as a storytelling vehicle, um, it's just, it's yeah, no, I, I think it's something you should experience for yourself. Um, and like this, this is one of the few times where I'm, I I will avoid spoilers because this is and again it, it's it's like it's like a movie length experience. There's there's something worth going into it and experiencing it new and fresh for yourself. One hundred percent, yeah. That that makes it that's exciting. Know, worthy to 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 avoid spoilers, and even in my book, and and I'm not a big spoiler person so cool yeah i i like the fact that it's a shorter game um simply because of the fact that reading kind of the synopsis of what it's about i think if it was a longer game that could be emotionally draining but because of the subject matter it being shorter probably makes it that much more poignant as well Mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to try and play that game a little bit later when i have some free time uh, right now, um, yeah, it's definitely, def- not that definitely time, take but... the time if you can. It, it's it's I, it's it's so worth your time. It's so worth your time. It is as Josh said, like the time you would take to watch a movie, and probably feels more akin to that than playing a game. But it's also something that couldn't be done, I think, correctly outside of this medium. Mm-hmm. And it's just mm. it's it's a it's really something special. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. Cool. Well, there you guys go. For those of you listening, if you're interested, $10. Can't beat that. It's the uh, price you pay for two cups of coffee at Starbucks. I mean... Yeah. Less than a movie ticket at this point, so... Yeah, that yeah. too. 
that too. All right, well, we are going to take our second break. Don't go anywhere. We're coming right back with some more games. Hey there, welcome. If you found this, you must be listening to The Chompcast. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for being here. I know you're wondering... Hey, Shay, tell them about the other podcast. Yes, I know you're wondering... What else could I listen to? Don't forget the other podcast. What else could I possibly listen to from these guys? Shut the fuck up. I'm about to tell them. As I was saying, if you want more content from us and you want to hear us talk more about video games, head over to SoreChomp.com where you can check out our other podcasts, such as Chomping After Dark, a spoiler cast that deep dives on various games and movies, and Evoking the Sublime, where Shay breaks down the history and creation of a video game, often paired with interviews from various developers. Thank you, and enjoy. And we are back, everyone, from our second and final break. I wanted to mention here before we talk about the remaining few games that we have to talk about, if you are loving the show and you want more content from us, there is only one place to go uh, to the bank to make sure you have a debit card or credit card signed up. And then you come back to your computer or your mobile device and you go to patreon.com slash where you check out all of our amazing tiers. We have tiers ranging from $1 to $50. And all that does is simply helps us grow and make more content for you. Um, We are a completely listener-funded and supported podcast. We don't have regular advertisers on the show. Unfortunately, we don't have any cool backhanded, or not backhanded, under-the-table sponsors or anything like that. No backhanded. We are not backhanded as we do this podcast. No, we are completely supported by you, the listener. And every dollar that we make from the Patreon goes right back into the show. Whether it's us buying games to talk about, whether it's us making more content, whether it's us upgrading our equipment, anything like that. So please head over there, check out anything. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you who has already signed up for that Patreon. It means the world to us. It helps us so much. So thank you very much for everyone who already is signed up. And if you're interested, even if it's a one-time donation kind of thing, that would be wonderful too. So please head over there and check that out. Okay, let's get into the last three games that we have to talk about today. Rich, you said you played something called Wreckfest. Uh, for the PS5, uh, is the PS5 version, as you had stated before the show. Tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, Wreckfest finally is out on PS5. It is part of PS Plus this month, so you can pick it up for free. Um, I, I had checked Wreckfest out on PC back when it launched quite some time ago. Um, the thing about this game is the console ports from last gen were quite a mess because it is a... A pretty demanding uh, racing game in terms of... There's a very specific type of racing game I like, and that game is Wreckfest. 
Um, <laughs> because here's the problem with a lot of racing games. Things like Forza like to license real cars. And as someone who works in the automotive industry, I can tell you what real car manufacturers don't like is when their cars get destroyed in a video game. Which is, Wreckfest is all about the destruction physics. Um, it is, in a lot of ways, the spiritual successor to the PS1 series Demo Derby. Um, there are Demo Derby modes in this. There are some, like, county fair-ass lawnmower Demo Derbies in it. You can really tune, like, every bit of the vehicle from the suspension to how much, like, weight you have on it to make it a little more durable during those, uh, demolition derbies. And it is just a fun racer about smashing the fuck out of cars. And, uh, the PS5 version is finally, like, this next-gen console version, consoles can finally handle it. Um, it is running smooth as butter, uh, watching those cars get smashed up real good. And load times are, are real fucking good. It, if you have a nostalgia for that certain type of racing game that we don't get a lot anymore, where like the focus is the pure destruction of it, this is for you. And and for me, that's always been the type of uh, racing game I've been into. And if you got a PlayStation Five, it's free, so you should totally grab it. It's a uh, it's a really cool game. I, I I haven't put a ton of time into this version just yet. And I haven't played the PC version in a long enough time to really speak uh, at length about it. I, I can probably get back to this once I put some more time into it. But I'm just glad to see it here. And uh, hopefully PS Plus will have it getting into a lot more people's hands because it's a really cool game. I really like yeah. car destruction games. And I think that's mainly from childhood, obviously, Twist and Metal being such a huge influence. So that's pretty cool to hear. Um, that That's a fun fun game to play i uh i don't have a ps5 so i can't join you on that venture but uh that sounds like a lot of fun yeah it's uh it's i you know what i'll tell you if you, if you can i would sign in browser side and get this for free while you can so when you eventually get a ps5 you will uh you'll already own it mm-hmm. not a bad idea not that a bad is idea a... at all yeah we we mentioned that early on whenever it was so hard to get a ps5 but uh it's still so hard to get a PS5, so it bears repeating. You can you can log on with your your PSN account that you've got on your PS4 right now and add these things a, to your library on a browser online. and just yeah. go ahead and add them to your account so you've got them later on. Uh, because there have been an awful lot of stand stand out free games on there, specifically on the uh, PS5. PSN or PS Plus, whatever it is, um, each month, um, and it it is it is worth getting a hold of those if at any point you think you might get a hold of a PS Five because it will kind of give you a jump start as far as having something worth playing once you finally get a hold of that new console, which it's a new console. There's not a lot on it, um, worth having these things. So this is also um one of the only. Uh, racing games that looks as pretty and realistic as it does that I know where you can have a race where there are like school buses racing against ride on lawnmowers like the guy <laughs> if you, you take the ride on lawnmower you're gonna lose but the game lets me make that choice and that's what's important to me mm-hmm. at least you can take your bravery slash stupidity to its full conclusion as you would 
the mm-hmm. the ride on lawnmower demo derbies though are some of the best events. Just watching dudes get knocked off lawnmowers it is <laughs> it's, it's fucking hilarious. Mm. Well, there you go. There you have it. If you're interested in Wreckfest for the PS5, check it out. All right, Josh has two more games he wants to talk about because he likes video games and he likes to play them and he likes to talk about them. So, Josh, you played a game called Adios, which is not what we're telling you to do. Please stay around and listen. But, Josh, what is Adios? Adios is a narrative game. Um, First-person narrative-focused thing. It's, It's, again, another sort of short experience you can play in a single sitting sort of a um less than two hours experience um where this one feels more like it's kind of specifically meant for multiple playthroughs as as kind of the idea of of how you experience it uh the not the whole plot but the kind of the elevator pitch to this is you are a pig farmer who has essentially been able to continue keeping his farm afloat by allowing the mafia to uh, to use your pig farm to dispose of any bodies they may need to dispose of. We've um, all been there. Because pigs are just really great at that. Um, and you're done. You're you're ready to be out. Um, and the the kind of concept is your your handler has brought the last shipment to you and you are talking to him you're kind of you've got this final day to talk to him to to figure out where you go from here um and it's it's really it's really neat it's, it's kind of um there, there are a lot of like narrative choices with how you interact with each conversation with you know like standard standard dialogue stuff like um every time you're in a conversation you'll have up to four choices that you'll have mapped to your your d-pad um that you can you can pick from whenever conversation choices arise um and some of them will be grayed out because they're things that you don't have the courage to say or um they don't they don't make sense in this conversation based off of other choices you made so far and so they'll be grayed out and you can't actually say them but everything you can say has got full voice acting behind it um with a, a lot more than just the initial thing it's 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 not i mean since we'll, we'll kind of get into this i assume next week with mass effect Mass Effect was kind of notorious for this of the 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 dialogue choices that you picked and they said something completely different than what you intended to because like they gave you a overview with the actual text that was in the the option and then you'd say something completely different. This is kind of like that, but I've never once felt like I picked an option and it was not what I intended. It it seems like it was more on point as far as like kind of the idea of the the blurb being what you're actually saying there. Um It's it's really interesting. Just like just just the 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 feeling of 
this is someone you've known for a long time. It's been your handler for a long, long time working for the mob. Um, there's, there's a lot of kind of personal experience that you kind of get to learn over the course of the experience um, that you're not privy to at the start. But you can, you can tell that these two characters have a rapport, even though now that you're trying to go clean, you know that it's going to be his job to kill you after after the end of this um and it's it's really satisfying just narratively kind of picking these dialogue options kind of seeing seeing where the the threads go um this this is a f- the budget for this game went to the the the, the voice actors cuz that's that's what needed to be for it to for it to work um a lot of the visuals are rough in this experience because of that uh because you can tell the effort went into making the narrative work making the performances compelling um the game itself looks fairly rough in places this is this is not a like high end prestige sort of experience but it's it's still a really cool narrative to go through and to kind of I I want I I'm I'm really ready to replay this thing. I've been kind of been giving it some time to sit on my first playthrough to kind of live with the consequences and kind of kind of feel where it's going. Um I'm not sure exactly how much agency you have in it. It feels like you've got a lot. Um, from the way they frame it, it feels like your choices have a huge amount from the way they frame it, but I'm not sure how much they actually do is kind of where I'm at. It could just be that it's, it's presented expertly that it, it feels like all your choices matter. Um, so I'm, I'm really, I'm looking forward to replaying it, but regardless, yeah, I was just going to ask if you regardless, only played it, through the entirety of it one time or multiple times. I've played through it one time currently, um, and it felt in that playthrough like my decisions mattered. Um, That's kind of the, the best you could ask for with games like this, I'd imagine. Yeah, and so I'm not sure if that's just a matter of how they frame it, or if there actually is an awful lot of um, difference in in the way stuff plays out. Um, to see whether it all it all threads back to the same thing, regardless of it could be it, something like that, where the it's illusion just illusion of choice. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like the way they framed it is expert at that because there are there I, I've played a lot of like Telltale games where <laughs> the way they push you back to the main plot threads on that were a a little haphazard in places. Um, where it's just like, okay, you've got to be here again. You've made no decisions that would lead you to that, but it's got it's but where this you're is going. Where we inevitably, it's, need to end up, yeah. Um, and so far, like, I, I felt like I was having a real conversation with this person, even though I was giving just these tiny little blurbs, and I didn't know the backstory of my character until some of the things were kind of you know coming out of my mouth. Like, what is what is the backstory of this character I'm I'm playing as? Um. Yeah, it, it it was a satisfying experience. It is very much just a narrative game. It's it's the sort of thing you play through. I'm 
I'm kind of... I'm curious... Again, I don't know how different the endings play out, so I, I need I need to go. I'll kind of I'll I'll fill you in on that once I get back to it. But yeah. it feels kind of kind of like kind of like watching Clue. Like okay, like it, if there's enough difference here that they can make it work from any of these angles, um, like they, there's enough thought put into it for the for the thing to work in that sense, um. But it's it's the kind of it's I'm I'm more interested to replay it from a um critical lens. More of a like, okay, this is this is I, I wanna know how it works. The thing is so satisfying on its own right that playing it one time feels like a satisfying experience. Like if I didn't just want to know how all the systems worked, I would be satisfied with my first playthrough. It's not something that feels like, oh, you need to, but it is something that feels like it's open to that. It's something that feels like you feel satisfying with the ending they give you, but you also feel this kind of twinge of, huh, what would happen if I went in this direction right here? It it kind of, it... um. I, Which, I mean, like that's it, compelling. Yeah, it, it feels like a complete story, but there's enough there to make you go, well, I'd still like to see how it plays out if I did XYZ thing. Yeah, I'm like, would, will Kenny actually remember this? Um, the squirrel will remember this. But, um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a satisfying thing. Um, again, not the prettiest game. It's got some uh, serviceable art uh the the locations are solid it feels like a lot of effort went into making the place feel real it like this this farm it it felt like something you kind of connect to like you you end up feeling because you are walking around in first person while the kind of story plays around you you get a feeling of the place it's it's something it's 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 something you kind of connect to more directly Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like because of that, there's, there's more effort placed into these vistas, like the, the, the environments work pretty well. That's one of the most solid parts of the art style. Um, whereas like anything that's moving, like different characters, like any, any of the people, any of the animals in there, they're rough. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of a rough serviceable art style to get the job done but the story is like the the game is really focused on the story cool yeah i i really it sounds interesting i don't know you know obviously it's gonna some people are gonna be barred from uh trying it out because they're more focused on graphical achievements and abilities which i can understand that but that's kind of cool especially if you're in a narrative driven games that that sounds like that there's a lot there and there's some replayability so that's cool i like Mm -hmm. that all right josh you have one more game to talk about that you played this week and uh i know you said you were waiting uh for (laughs) our former co-host morgan to uh talk about it you were waiting for him to get around to it but unfortunately that's not going to happen now so you're well, we going to talk about Kaze <laughs> and the Wild Masks. Yeah, this is one that I've 
been playing for the last couple of weeks, just a, a level here or there. Um, kind of until we we knew where we were landing with all the everything that's happened over the last few weeks, and uh, we're rebooting Ape Escape. Yeah, once once I kind of saw where that was going this last weekend, I just got completely sucked into the game. I'm like, okay, I don't need to kind of bide my time and wait for Morgan to get around to playing this game. I can let myself kind of get sucked into it. And after playing a couple levels here and there, I ended up like, okay, it's time to play this game, play this game. And I was completely sucked into it. Uh, Kaze and the Wild Masks is a Donkey Kong Country, like uh, the like SNES era Donkey Kong Country. Um, Diddy's Conquest for life. It is, it is... You're playing as a bunny trying to whatever. Like, the story is not the, not the focus here, but... Um, bunny trying to get... Bunny, bunny trying, to get, got, trying to get her brother back or whatever, which is honestly more... more of a narrative draw than trying to get your bananas back. Than, nah, like, they should have just literally um, copied Donkey Kong Country. They should have been trying to get the carrot horde back. Exactly, trying to get the carrot horde. But, um... Anyway, they do some interesting things with this because of kind of understanding what the character kits can do. Um, whereas you're basically playing as Dixie Kong. It's it's more or less it's Dixie Kong. You've kind of got this you know hover thing where your ears spin around just like Dixie's you're... pretty OP. Yeah, Dixie is um, one of the best ones. They have a really interesting thing here where Dixie you could always. Like you could hover, but if you ever let off the the button, you could not re hover again midair until you landed. Um you can hover, stop, and like hover again, which kinda opens up the platforming of oh, uh, quite it, a it bit, opens I up imagine. the platforming quite a quite a bit by having a essentially the it, it's, you're just the most flexible Kong. It is. It feels very much like a Donkey Kong game, uh, to the extent of one thing that bugged me for years about the Donkey Kong games, which they wanted to be. Oh, it's more realistic now. For years until top, Tropical Freeze, um, they got rid of the Coyote time. If you roll off of a ledge, you can jump at any point until that roll is finished which just made the platforming so smooth, so flexible in the original Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Country 2. Just, oh my God, I love playing Diddy Kong in those games because you just felt so in control. Um, this game just nails that feeling and then makes the gliding that Dixie Kong always had even more flexible. This This is just one of the most... It, like you feel so connected to the character you feel it's like it is like you're you're bordering on super meat boy levels of i am this character as far as like my controls do exactly what i want them to do levels of controlling a platformer um and it is it is very much just 
like it's 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 another Donkey Kong game. Like it it feels like a lot of levels that you would have loved to see in a Donkey Kong game if you could have been playing Diddy Kong and Dixie Kong at the same time, sort of like super you know the be- the best of both worlds of the yeah, yeah. versatile toolkits that those games had, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just it is so satisfying because of that. Um like I kind of mentioned before, there's not much story-wise going on with this. There was never much story-wise going on with the original Donkey Kong games. What do you mean? Um, it was about uh, the age, great age of piracy, uh, the tyrant <laughs> King K. Rule, um, hoarding the wealth. Yeah, yeah, it's but a really but like, poignant game. The the it it is if it, it feels like a it feels like a lost SNES game in a lot of ways. It's it's a fairly That's short awesome. it it feels it's a fairly short experience. You can get through it in like three hours or so. Sort of like you could those originally don- original Donkey Kong games if you knew what you were doing. Like they're it's tough. Like um these are fairly tough levels, but they they're they're they took what worked and got rid of the others. There there are no lives in this. Uh, if you get to a bonus level and you fail it, you can immediately restart the bonus level. So you don't have to like replay levels from the very beginning to try to get to a random barrel that's hidden off screen to get this bonus thing that you're trying to get for the special. And like they managed to make really challenging levels because they get rid of the bullshit that you had to deal with at the time with a lot of the live systems and the awkward checkpointing and the like. Um, and it's just, it is just solid, solid. Like, um, this, this is, it's, it's the sort of game that, like, it's, it's, it's very, it's different than Tropical Freeze. Like, that's its own sort of thing, but this is, this is very much what I wanted from Donkey Kong for a long, long time, and this game just nails that feeling. Um. High praise. Yeah. It really, it, it really is a uh, it just solid feeling platformer. I didn't even know about this game, and I was looking at some of the images on on uh, Google, and it looks really fucking charming. Um, I, have you beaten the game at this point, or no? Yes, I have. I have beaten the game. This it's it's kind of like I said. I kind of I had slow rolled the beginning of it, playing a couple levels here and there, and then once I knew I didn't have to wait at all. I just I played the rest of it in one sitting because again it's it's not super long like you could you could if you knew what you were doing you could play through those old Donkey Kong games in a single sitting sort of level design going on there um and yeah like once once I knew it was time to go I was I was in for this game like start to finish okay and it is interesting I is it is it worth the $30 price tag do you think a lot of that is going to kind of depend on your affinity for Donkey Kong because it is it it, it is very much like I said like a lost Super Nintendo era Donkey Kong game in a lot of ways to to the extent where it's not a super long game but there's there was plenty there for me as far as like what was what was actually there like it like again we those those old Donkey Kong games we played back in the day those were full price games even though they weren't super long um right if if it's something that you are not a Donkey Kong fan 
I'd probably wait, but like if you know Donkey Kong is your sort of platformer, this is very much kind of the the pinnacle of that Super Nintendo era Donkey Kong vibe. Feels like Donkey Kong Country Four, yeah. Yeah, and in, in a lot of ways, it's it's very much kind of on that on that on that track. Cool. That's cool. Yeah, it it looks looks awesome. It's something I'm going to have to pick up a little bit further down the line. If you could remind me, that'd be awesome because yeah, that that looks right up, like right up my alley. I just I don't have time for it right now. Yeah, but same same here. I definitely want to play. play Once the plate's on. a little cleaner, I will definitely want to make time for that. Yeah, same. Same same same. So yeah, thanks for actually detailing that. That's a I think that's a great game to end on because yeah, that's that's uh because it's the last one. I think all three of us. Are. Well, yeah, that and it's something that all three of us are interested in. But yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we don't have any polls this week for social media. Um, I'm hopefully going to be bringing them back next week. Uh, all th- if all things go according to plan, um, which they should, then we will have social media polls. Well, Instagram polls to discuss on the show again starting next week. Um. Last remaining few things. Uh, obviously, this is something that's not going to be really applicable, but we did a Patreon poll this week basically asking what movie uh, people want to watch for our first community night on Discord that we're going to be doing tomorrow night, which is, again, why it's not applicable to this podcast. It will it's in the past. The past. Yeah. That's right. But if you are interested in all, at all in doing anything like that, um, being a part of the community... Head over to one of the social medias, uh, Instagram or Twitter, and DM us, and we will get you our Discord link, or just email us at swordchomp at gmail.com. And same goes for if you have any questions or comments regarding the show or anything of that nature, any words of praise, any words of um, constructive criticism, anything like that. We've gotten some awesome comments, um, DMs I've received in, uh, in, in the social media sphere, just letting us know that we're doing an awesome job and seriously thank you guys so much for uh doing that it means a lot uh it put a smile on all of our faces this week as we are um still transitioning into what we are going to be going forward so seriously thank you for the words of encouragement um also if you like i said if you want to follow us at all on twitter uh, uh twitter handle is at swordchomp same goes for instagram uh we post stuff on there almost daily uh as i've gotten that slowly gotten hang of instagram now i think i understand how i want to proceed with it going forward so we should be posting there almost daily uh rich and i uh rich has taken over the twitter by the way uh if you didn't know that and i have taken over the instagram so i'm still on the twitter from time to time very rarely except on my personal account and if you want to follow any of us personally, uh, Josh, I believe your Twitter handle is at Shwabidaba still, correct? Or they could just look your name up. Yes. They could I'd just have to look, look your name I've up. I've not actually looked at my just handle look up Joshua forever. Fowler. Yeah. yeah I'm pretty sure it's Shwabidaba. Uh, Rich is, I believe, what is yours, Rich? My Rich Twitter Meister? handle is at the Rich, the Rich Meister Zero. There you go. And you can look me up at uh, my old high school nickname, at Shea or just look up no, my name, it's, Shea it's, Layton. It's literally just Josh Twitter. underscore Fowler. Oh, that's easy enough. Make Josh it easy enough. Fowler. Yeah. I didn't think that was right, but yeah. No, it's just, just Josh underscore underscore Fowler. Makes it easier. 
makes it easier. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Rich and I are on Instagram. If you want to chat with us personally, that's cool. Um, any remaining things? Oh, merch. Like I said last week, we got a new merch design up on the site. Thank, thanks to Bernadette, uh, one of our patrons and friends. Uh, if you want to check it out, buy some new merch. Uh, show some love and support to her for designing an awesome new merch idea for us. Please head over there uh, to redbubble.com slash people slash sword chomp. I had to make sure I had that, <laughs> that link correctly. Head over there, check it out. We have a bunch of awesome designs. Um, and yeah, yeah, just show us some love. If you end up buying anything, please send us the picture. We want to uh, feature that on social media. We want to feature it on our site if we have your permission. We want to see the our logo and our merch out there in the wild. Um, like I said, the Patreon stuff already. I don't Patreon stuff already. I don't need to go through that again. And um, that's gonna be pretty much it for this week's episode. Uh, I want to thank Rich. Mr. New York, New York himself for being here. I know it's a late night over there, buddy, so thank you. Josh, I want to thank you as well over there in Michigan. And uh, this is Shay from, um, from Sword Chomp. I live in Sword Chomp. No, Shay from Japan. Uh, th- <laughs> thank you. We will be back next week with some more games, some more topics, and another episode of the Chompcast. Thank you, and good night. All right, over there, Gene. Ethan! <laughs>